Hello and welcome to Reincarnated as Podcasters, the show where we explore the countless and varying worlds of isekai, the anime genre. This is episode 10. It's no understatement to say that isekai is an extremely prevalent genre in the anime landscape. On this show, we hope to find out why that is, and what a genre primarily concerned with other worlds has to say about this one. Today, we will be discussing episode 1-3 to three of High School Prodigies Have It Easy, Even in Another World. But before we embark on this intrepid journey, let me introduce to you the hosts for this program. My name is Lawrence. Joining me as always is Vicky. Hi. Hey. And for the first time ever, uh, the first time in, uh, in podcasting history, uh, we're joined by a guest. How are you doing, Jess? Hey, what's up, podcast world? Uh, what's up, podcasts? It's your boy. Like and subscribe. Smash that like button. Coming in hot. Konnichiwa. Welcome to the pod. It's a pleasure to have you on. How y'all doing, man? How y'all feeling? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fucking good. Can I say fuck? Yes, yeah. this is... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I list these episodes as explicit, and we, we are going to get explicit about these animes today, I expect. Yeah, for sure. Kind of hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, we, we are um, we're about to get into a new series, a new show, uh, High School Prodigies Have It Easy, Even in Another World. As such, this is sort of a, an onboarding uh, this could be an onboarding experience for any any new listeners. They're like, uh, oh, I'll I'll start off uh, with them discussing the uh, the first episodes of my favorite anime. Uh, that that sounds like a great idea. Wow, that's a club that <laughs> I do not want to belong to. <laughs> Surely it's no one's favorite anime. <laughs> I, can, I can picture a number of Twitter anime avatar folks who uh, would point to this anime as a. Uh, being uh, a red pilled and dust good, um, mm. not uh, not to invent a new type of guy or anything, <laughs> but I can I can totally see that. That's a, that's a pre existing guy, certainly. Uh, but, but yeah, so uh, I guess since it's a new episode for a new series, uh, we, we do like a little bit of a, a self introduction via um, the kind of uh, introducing our anime credentials, uh, going through our anime uh, history and, and background. Uh, and I suppose since you're you're a guest, uh, would you like to go first, Josh? Tell us a little bit about uh, the kind of stuff that you enjoy watching, qua anime or whatever. Oof. Well, I'm nowhere near as much of a weeb as you guys. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I have had my moments. I didn't get into anime aside from like Pokemon. Obviously, I didn't get into anime until like university. <laughs> But, like, I've watched, like, most of Bleach. I watched uh, Naruto until it got to the point where uh, the anime, like, overtook the manga. Mm. And Sasuke and Naruto fought for, like, an entire season. (laughs) Um, And, uh, 
And then aside from that, like uh, Lawrence has been trying really hard <laughs> to <laughs> anime pill me for like months. Been doing my anime pill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he came pretty damn close with uh, Kaiji, which I thought was uh, fucking awesome. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Like also just full of crying boys, which is my <laughs> second favorite thing next to Muscle Boys, which is <laughs> third. Wait. Crying Muscle Boys, number one. Second Muscle Boys, third Crying Boys. Yeah, how, how do you even stack them up against each other? But yeah, aside from that, just pretty vanilla Studio Ghibli, obviously. Attack on Titan. Hell yeah. And this bullshit. Can you... Uh, <laughs> you're, you're in Thanks. it now. <laughs> you're on an anime podcast. I'd say that that makes you fairly anime pill now. Um, can you identify like any isekais in that in that history as well? Are there any like isekais in there? I mean, this yeah, in the studio Ghibli realm, there's Spirited Away, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, um, no, of course. Oh, Bleach, Bleach is an isekai. Hell yeah, yeah. No, I was about to say, it isn't an isekai all the way through, but it definitely has some isekai moments, some isekai arcs. Mm, man, I want to watch that. I mean, he goes, he goes back. Doesn't he go back and forth between like Normie World and everyone's a Ninja World? It was a long time ago when I watched that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that that would still make it an Isekai, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah! I, mean, I, I feel, I feel that having listened to 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 your podcast, I'm pretty well versed in what making for <laughs> an Isekai. Doing <laughs> um, the Lord's work with this podcast. <laughs> so, and I'm so glad I know now. <laughs> I mean, I, I work, I realized the other day I work in an isekai. Like, uh, every day when I walk through that door, the norms of, like, human behavior, time, and everything go completely out the window. And you have to, as you leave the door, reset back to normal world. So, uh, I, th- I think I'm pretty experienced in isekai. It's quite Narnia-esque. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, the, the isekai we all experience called a uh, wage slavery. And this show presents a, an, an option to, to get away from that, but uh, for some reason we, we seem to return to it anyway, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yes, we will. <laughs> uh, Vicky, you want to you wanna give us a, a little um, excerpt from your anime resume? My anime resume. Anime CV. Um, <laughs> so... Uh... Like I've, I've said previously, Dragon Ball Z was the first anime I watched, and I must have seen it like all the, all the way through. Well, I saw Dragon Ball Z all the way through once, and I've seen Dragon Ball Z Kai all the way through probably like four times. Uh, and that show has a special place in my heart. Um, and then when I was a bit older, it took, it took me a long time to get back into anime after kind of abandoning it at, at high school age. High school? Secondary school? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we're, in, we're in anime world now it's all high yeah, school <laughs> a high school prodigy um, so uh, as an adult like Steinsgate, Naruto more recently Beastars uh, has yes. really climbed to the top of my list um, after the second season just came out um, yeah my mind's drawing a bit of a blank for some reason <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we, we sort of uh, uh, ran through this. Uh, we do. We yeah. ran through this <laughs> with the first episode of like the last two uh, series that we covered mm. as well. Just so. splice it in. Splice it in. Yeah. Splice it in. Yeah. 
Just copy oh, and paste God. my my answer from the last time we talked about it. Mesh up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 qua isekais, uh, well, of course we've we've covered uh, the devil is a part timer and and uh, hamafura and hamafura together. Uh, I have seen some of Sword Art online, but not yeah. Yeah. loads of it. Yeah, other than that, Spirited Away, obviously, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty, pretty, pretty new to the the genre. Other than these Hell two yeah. that we've just seen, and this one that we're watching right now. The more we podcast, the more our knowledge of uh, isekai grows, and we we grow as people as we uh, <laughs> learn to understand <laughs> ourselves. I can't, I can't and... wait to see how I grow after this show. <laughs> <laughs> the world around us. <laughs> what will become of me? <laughs> As as for myself, I've I've put together like a a, a bit of a, a list. I try to like go back in my memory so to think of isekais that I have seen or shows that could be considered isekais. Uh, yeah, so I I'd, I'd say I I have like a uh, I've seen a fair amount of of anime in in my time. Toonami has like a, been formative for that, and uh, and the programming mm-hmm. of a uh, Cartoon Network uh, in general. Because it includes shows like um, Inuyasha, which uh, is a uh, 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 isekai. Before I knew what isekai was, are you familiar with uh, Inuyasha? No. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that one day, maybe. Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, which is uh, uh, also a, a great show, which possibly could be considered isekai. A dude dies, it comes back to life uh, as sort of a spirit detective. Uh, type person he's like he's a punk but like uh he, he has to follow the straight and narrow or else uh, he'll, he'll get sent to, to hell or something uh, <laughs> i kind of forget how that goes but it was great uh sword art online bleach uh digimon is an isekai which of course um uh, were you all exposed to digimon i never got into digimon yeah always just kind of, kind of was it was the ugly, uh, what's, what, what's, what's that phrase? Ugly stepsister. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> red-headed stepchild. <laughs> Red, red-headed stepchild. That's uh, of, uh, of the Pokemon. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. how I saw it too. Yeah, that's that's. Um, I, I could understand why it would uh, why it would give off that, that impression, but Digimon, actually. Um, well, I, I, I can't say with like absolute certainty because it's been years and years since I've seen a fucking Digimon, but I remember it being kind of sick. I, I got into Yu-Gi-Oh for a while. That, that. Oh, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is good. Huh, I wonder if that could be an isekai, actually. Like, uh. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's possessed by How the can spirit. I stretch of... and manipulate <laughs> this one into. How can I gaslight these people into thinking. <laughs> Truman Show. I won't stop until everything is isekai. That's uh, that's my mo right there. There was also Tenchi Muyo, uh, which y'all might be mm-hmm. familiar with. Just yeah. almost an isekai, like a bunch of a bunch of girls from outer space invade like a, a kid's privacy. Um, it sounds like a, <laughs> it sounds like an isekai scenario to me. And of course. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. You remember that? I one? never that's thought a... of that, but I love that cartoon. I it's am sitting cartoon. to the right of uh, the box set of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon on no my, uh, my bookshelf. I am, yeah. Shit. I uh, I totally forgotten about it until like a few months ago, and I found the uh, like opening sequence on YouTube, and oh, so that was just heart wrenching. <laughs> I remember that show so well now. 
Yeah, this shit's just like buried in your memory until like uh, yeah. unex- unexpectedly it just pops to the surface and like uh uh-huh. yeah, it's like a a uh, a familiar uh, a familiar odor is <laughs> familiar odor, yeah. A familiar odor. It's like when you go on holiday, you come back from holiday and you're like uh walking up to your house and you're like, Oh yes, the smell of home. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, exactly. I I'm I'm happy with that analogy. I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> so We've thrown around the word isekai uh, a lot uh, just now. And the listeners are going, <laughs> You might, You might be curious. <laughs> you might be curious just uh, what it is we might be talking about. And uh, in order to, to enlighten you and to bring, us, uh, to bring you up to speed, to bring you up to our level of... Uh, of uh, knowledge and uh, galaxy-brained insights. Um, Listen up, you dumb fucks. <laughs> we offer a, a definition of uh, the term isekai uh, with every episode that, that we put out. And um, for this one, I've, uh, I, I went and found a, a new definition for y'all. And this one is from the uh, newyorkpubliclibrary.org uh, blog. Written by uh, Amanda Pagan of the Stavros Niarchos Foundation Library, uh, a blog called Stuff for the Teenage Bibliophile. Okay. I thought it was kind of cute. So it it reads as follows. Isekai is a subgenre of fantasy in which a character is suddenly transported from their world into a new or unfamiliar one. And the Western world is no stranger to this concept as it appears in well-known works of Western literature such as Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, Frank L. Baum's The Wizard of Oz, and even J.M. Barrie's Peter Pan. Like Alice, Dorothy Gale, and Wendy Darling, the main characters of isekai stories are taken to alternative fantasy worlds full of magic swords and adventures. In isekai stories, the main protagonist must be either physically slash mentally spirited away to another world or reborn into this new world in a new form more powerful than their previous one. Sometimes these new worlds may simply be a different time period. Uh, Video games have proven a new and popular setting in modern isekai, with some characters becoming trapped or transported in their favorite video games. The traditional plot of an isekai story revolves around the main protagonist trying to find their way back to their home world through a series of quests or adventures. With characters who are reborn into their new isekai world, the plot is more nebulous and may revolve around characters simply trying to survive in the unfamiliar setting. And that's what a a NewYorkPublicLibrary.org offers us. Any thoughts on that definition? I mean, that's an isekai. Oh, sounds pretty familiar, yeah. Doesn't stray very far from uh, the, the Wikipedia definition and uh, the Annie DB definition that we've uh, had so far, right? Yeah, I mean, it says that um, the character, the the protagonist, must be spirited away to another world or reborn in the new world in a new form more powerful than their previous one. But that's not like really always the case, is it? Uh, no, yeah, I, I think uh, well, 
uh, whilst also defining uh, isekai. They were trying to do a bit of a, a sales pitch to uh, get people to uh, loan their mangas from the library. Uh, which <laughs> right. that that might be a factor which uh, if if you're if you if your library is manga that sounds that sounds awesome the new york public manga library <laughs> i sort of expected that uh these definitions uh, uh might not uh offer many surprises for us so i i actually grabbed mm. a couple more uh from uh some more uh, subjective sources, uh, I suppose. I, I got a couple of definitions from uh, the repository of uh, lingo on the internet as well as uh, IRL, uh, urbandictionary.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where, let's hear it. <laughs> or I, as a 32 year old, uh, must often go uh, in order to uh, understand what is happening on my Twitter feed. So I've got a, a definition here from Paper Lightning on urbandictionary.com, meaning another world, usually referring to Japanese stories, anime, manga, light novels, or web novels, which involve the main character being transported into another world via either a reincarnation, summoning, or a god transmigrating them. The setting is usually, but not always, medieval fantasy with swords and magic. And then, as per UrbanDictionary.com, they offer like a little use this word in a sentence type situation at the bottom, right? Did you read that isekai manga? Yeah, dude, but it was so freaking boring. The main character was just fucking around with his harem. That's the good part. (laughs) (laughs) Swing. They nailed Uh, it. Yeah. They nailed the uh, isekai guy. Who who logs on to Urban Dictionary and goes, I'm I, I'm gonna rewrite the dictionary right now. <laughs> I'm gonna log on to Urban Dictionary and define isekai. <laughs> I mean, I purely, I thought I thought that like the only point of the Urban Dictionary was to go on there and write like Lauren's weeb who cool guy. loves them big titties. Awesome and, then, and then like four people go oh yeah that that's a thing and then and then forever i can go hey lawrence look um, <laughs> lawrence loves big anime titties it's in the dictionary uh, and yeah, there's a picture of me go. right next to the definition yeah. <laughs> but like to, to actually go on there and uh yeah that takes a uh, I mean, that that right there is the is that's why anime fans are just really special special guys <laughs> and girls Non-binary folk. One thing that surprised me um, was that def- this definition was like written in 2017. Uh, <laughs> so, like, isekai has been around for a while, but like, um, this is the earliest definition I found on UrbanDictionary.com. Like, no one bothered to offer a definition until 2017. Probably too busy slandering Shocking. Lawrence or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got another one actually, and this one is from uh, Pump Kind Tick, uh, written on August 7, 2020. (laughs) An anime anime genre where a weeb loser gets hit by a fucking truck and has to defeat evil demon N-words while big booty bitches follow him around. My friend, 
damn, that isekai was so great. Me, no. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had that email chain the other day. <laughs> that's a, that, that's way more accurate. <laughs> At least um, using the small sample size of isekai that I've watched. <laughs> Uh, I think we can, <laughs> I, I think we can sort of um, draw from these two definitions on UrbanDictionary.com that a, a isekai does carry with it like a a kind of prejudice, maybe. Yeah. Uh, not being good. <laughs> um, Where would they get that idea? <laughs> Yeah, I I wonder. Um, like, so we're we're just starting off on this uh, on this quest, really. And we've had um, two mm, yeah. two shows so far. One that I would call good, good to great, even. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another too. one, which I would say is is fine, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I guess this one um, is uh, I I would I would place this. Um, uh, much lower than both of them. I mean, but thanks to you, Lawrence, it's not the worst anime I've ever seen. So, uh... <laughs> well, what's the worst Wait, you've what, ever what seen? What would the worst one be? What was that one we were watching the other night? Like that, where I could feel MI five breaking down our door. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was this? <laughs> Oh no! You're talking about the uh, the brilliance uh, Kunio Okawara's uh, Yuri Kuma Arashi, uh, aka a poorly translated title, by the way, a lesbian bear storm. That's not how I would translate that. It's, oh, it's... <laughs> you've described this show to me before. Just wow. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, Lawrence was so we were, we were all gathered around the telly, and Lawrence was desperate to show us some anime. He bought his hard drive. <laughs> And so, as a sort of as a sort of compromise, we, I I said to him, "Show us the most show us the most embarrassing thing on your hard drive." <laughs> but I think neither of us knew what to expect. I I didn't, and y- y'all keep talking trash about this show. I am forced to watch it in its entirety and uh, d- defend it uh, with every ounce of my being. Uh, I'm afraid, like I'm, I'm bound to die on this hill now. I I I must defend anime. Gur gur. What was it? Gur gur gur. Yeah, ow, that that was ow, another ow. thing. That we only had the English tracks, so that that wasn't even wasn't even real anime. It was I was just... it, it was dubbed. <laughs> yes, it was dubbed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing could save this. <laughs> I mean, it was it was filth. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I have um I'm gonna have to come up with words for that. I'm gonna have to. I, I will redeem Yurikuma Arashi one day. Right, and now that now that we've uh, settled into uh, this 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 groove of uh, talking about uh, isekais and how a respectable anime is as a as a medium as a genre and uh, how uh, non manipulative and uh, not gross of uh, a, a medium it is, uh, we we try to. 
draw in uh, many other elements from uh, the world of uh, television and film and uh, talk about them uh, as if they were isekais, uh, perhaps even exploring whether they are isekais or not. Uh, today, uh, Joss, you, you're bringing to us a, um, a, a media text that, that you'd like to examine. The show I want to talk about is a show from, I mean, it's from before you or I or Vicky or anyone, no one is before anyone was born. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from when the, the sun was young. <laughs> the primordial soup of Isakai. <laughs> I mean, it, it swirls around my memory like primordial soup. It <laughs> is the masterful, undoubtedly Isakai Mr. Ben, which appeared on the BBC from uh, 1971 to 1972. Hell yeah, hell uh, yeah. Really, just one year? Yeah. That's well, all we there, got? There, there were only about 12 episodes, um, all uh, rich and varied. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is possibly the slowest, most meandering and languid. It's beautifully watercolored. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it is incredibly dated, even for its time. But well, it looks awesome, though. It does. It looks fantastic. But if you look at what else was, I guess I should sum up Mr. Ben uh, for those who yeah, sure. those, uh, uh, those who haven't seen it. Mr. Ben is a uh, a freak. <laughs> uh, he is a freak for fully lucid trips into fantasy realms. <laughs> Uh, he is unemployed. He lives at number 52... Oh, is it 53? In the 50s. 52. In a place called, a place called Fancy, Fancy Road. Festive Road. <laughs> 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 he spends his day looking out the window at people going about their normal, sociable, well-balanced uh, lives. And uh, yeah. every day he dresses up and uh, pretends seemingly to go to his job as a as a banker i can only assume he wears a very distinct bowler hat uh but he goes and visits a little man in a little store puts on a, a fancy dress costume and uh disappears into another world he, hell yeah and in these other worlds he is a he could be a knight he could be a clown uh he could it depends be on the, the costume that he gets from the shopkeeper right yeah uh, and he goes. He goes to this other world. He behaves like an incorrigible do-gooder, and he gets the fuck out. And he keeps going back. He just keeps chasing these uh, otherworldly thrills. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the yeah. animation for 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 nineteen seventy one. The art style is beautiful. It's all watercolors frame by frame there's no there's very little movement it's more like a sort of slightly animated storybook but uh if you think about the fact that either the engine which was very similar came out in the early 50s you kind of wonder what the bbc had been doing for those uh 20 years (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it's um, uh, languid is definitely a, a great word for it. It is uh, slow as heck. It has a very particular kind of pace that uh, you don't see very often on uh, television anymore, uh, except in certain slice of life animes. Uh, actually, uh, that's, that's what it kind of reminded me of a little bit. But even then, there are like a slice of life animes that like uh, move faster than uh, than Mr. Ben does. That um, uh, frame rates is just uh, practically uh, non-existent, and uh, and yeah. you just uh, you just get a camera panning over like uh, some some really lovingly uh, detailed uh, still shots with like an art style that I I, I find it difficult to place, but it. It conjures a sense of nostalgia for me, but I don't have much of a point of reference for it. Like the only thing I could think of was like Quentin Blake, uh, the the guy that did the mm. um, the Roald Dahl book illustrations. But it's definitely not as gruesome as as Quentin Blake. He's got like a, a very like a off the wall kind of scratchy style. This is a lot lot cleaner, a lot less excitable. It's utterly bland and po faced, which is what kind of makes it so good. yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. The creator, David John McKee, is only really known for... He, he was a children's illustrator and is known for his series of books, uh, Elmer the Elephant. Who, uh, oh! Elmer the Patchwork Elephant. Sort yeah. Of one of the lesser children's elephants below, like... Dumbo. <laughs> uh, Dumbo. Babar? Babar. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Nelly, everyone forgets about little old uh, Elmer, but Elmer was uh yeah, ubiquitous on uh, primary school bookshelves, nursery bookshelves. Mm. Yeah, he still is. And uh, and I'd say um, when I when I watch like um, a a show like this, um, you know, this uh, cartoon is a. Uh, fairly blends uh, a cartoon from the 1970s like a I'm, I'm always looking for just like some sort of subversion or like see my my expectations sub- subverted somehow but it's it's hardly hardly present at all perhaps this is my my anime training or, or something no a straight show you you'd be hard to find it's definitely no sort of magic right there's none of those cheeky uh yeah 60s uh nods to adult vices that you might yeah yeah more more famous uh children's shows of uh sort of pre-1970s era or 1970s yeah exactly like it's a cartoon but it's actually about psychedelics woo uh but (laughs) You you do hints at uh, this this element of Mister Ben like his sort of freakishness, right? <laughs> he he is a little bit of a a frill seeker. He like was uh, presented in a, a a very boring like a uh, uh, monotonous way. He, like uh, wears all black with a bowler hat, and um, I really enjoy how his sort of. Uh, explorations of these uh, other worlds by putting on these costumes uh i, I feel like you can find a, even sort of like a, a queer fairy reading in there in that it presents like all of these uh these uh, societal 
uh, roles, like uh, these ideas as being just that, you know, these costumes that you put on and take off and you become someone, someone new uh, each time you put on a new costume and you're exposed to, to new scenarios and new ideas. And um, Mr. Ben sort of teaches us to approach that with, uh, with kindness each time, you know? I mean, he goes to these fantastical worlds and tries to make them as boring as possible. Um, <laughs> like the episode where he goes uh, and he meets the world's greatest hunter and uh, has the opportunity to blast the fuck out of all walks of wildlife. Uh, and he has the opportunity to fuck up a snake to <laughs> just stick one right between the eyes of a, a lion. All these creatures... Also, not existing in the real world, no environmental impact. He could really let his freak flag fly. But uh, instead, he uh, teaches this uh, virulent hunter to uh, just fucking bottle it all day long. And then just uh, befriends some elephants and goes home. Every every, every episode is a, an anticlimax, uh, much like life. <laughs> I, while, you, while you've been describing the show I've been watching an episode on mute on YouTube where he <laughs> basically just uh, I'm, I'm not listening to anything so I, I don't really know what's going on but he just sort of changes his hat and then ends up winning a hot air balloon race that's, yeah, that's the one yes. I was really <laughs> like, uh, is that, did, is that <laughs> so I, I did watch the show when I was a kid but I don't really remember much about it and now I'm just wondering is this a t- typical I mean ab- ab- absolutely <laughs> that's you just described Mr. Ben he literally just, he just like, changes his hat <laughs> he just changes his head he's got a slightly taller bowler head I was really charmed by this show actually I thought it was like just uh, really charming and I, I liked the pace of it, and I went and uh, looked up some some cool Mr. Ben facts that uh, you, you may or may not have encountered okay. on the internet. Um, apparently, um, one of the um, first episodes of Mr. Ben that was proposed for the BBC was of a book that uh, David McKee wrote called One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, Ben, which yes. is... <laughs> <laughs> The the uh, book where uh, Mr. Ben goes to prison. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's deemed too deviant for uh, what the BBC wanted from the show. <laughs> Mary Whitehouse would have banned that book. <laughs> I would I would have loved to see it, uh, uh, Mr. Ben in like Oz or something. That that would have been fantastic. Wait, what? Is- Isakai to what jail. was he going to prison for? Um, well, what, what crime well, did he, he commit? Puts on a prisoner costume, I imagine, right? <laughs> like... Oh, I see. <laughs> that makes sense. Right. <laughs> I was imagining like maybe he killed someone. Maybe like killed killed the wrong guy. Just so it's tired, a shock right now. Staring at his window. I mean, he is quite a reclusive man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe someone walked past his house carrying a boombox. So the first episode, <laughs> he is invited to a fancy dress party, but doesn't even turn up. 
know. I, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I uh, I like that about Mr. Ben actually. That I liked. <laughs> instead, he goes and wears costumes alone in the costume <laughs> shop. Like the Ben no. Shapiro of uh, costume shops. <laughs> Mr. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another thing I I found that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, there uh, in in the Guardian, there's like a, a little bit, uh, a little interview with uh, David McKee and uh, Ray Brooks, who does the narration for uh, the Mr. Ben cartoon. And Ray Brooks uh, says, um, "When I wrote my autobiography, I said I'd like a cartoon of me and Mr. Ben on the cover, holding pints of beer." There was a terrible pause, and he said. Mr. Ben only drinks halves. <laughs> <laughs> he is a freak. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. Mr. Ben only drinks from a tiny teaspoon. <laughs> he only drinks from his own hat. <laughs> Mr. Ben only drinks piss. <laughs> I would make a fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Ben puts on a, a bondage harness. <laughs> like, what's all this then? I've, I've seemed to have emerged in a toilet, a toilet facility. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mr. Ben pops his red handkerchief into his right back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Here's uh, a here's another quote, um, another quote from Ray Brooks actually because I, I thought this was funny. I was asked to do other cartoons because of Mr. Ben, including Rupert the Bear, which was the worst thing I've ever done. I used to have a couple of pints before <laughs> recording it to numb my brain for his terrible rhymes. I mean, this was, this was the 1970s where everyone was permanently drunk. <laughs> You know, the dude sounds like a Gido. Like, uh, I'd, I'd love to, like, down a couple of pints and then hit the studio and, like, record some pleasant voices. <laughs> Mr. Ben's Red Knight costume looks like a lobster costume. Oh, like a, a crab lobster, costume. you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Ben, adhering to the hierarchy, order of the... <laughs> I, we can't I, I do can't. Jordan Peterson every episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the, the only thing that's uh, left for us to to ask ourselves is, uh, is Mr. Ben an isekai? What do you think, Jess? No, of course not. Um, that's, a, that's a note from you? It's, it's, uh, it's an obvious yes. Oh, okay. Well, don't don't go pulling pulling our our audience's. Uh, what's the expression? Pulling them off. <laughs> don't go jerking off our <laughs> listeners, just. <laughs> or, or maybe do I don't know. That might be an an additional. Story. We'll save that for the for the Patreon. Save that for the Patreon Welcome subscribers. To episode ten. Carry on podcasting. Um, it definitely has like a lot of the, the characteristics of an isekai transported to another world with powers. I know it's not like an essential part, but there's no harem. 
Uh, no, like, uh, Mr. Ben seems uh, permanently single, definitely. Um, although that hasn't really mattered in the past when trying to define these things. Um, no. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to think it matters a little bit. <laughs> a lot of them seem to have this but any, anyway I, th- I think it's like pretty close to an isekai yet i can't i can't think of like any arguments against it yeah yeah he sort of uh he puts on a costume and travels to another world he, he even solves a problem before before leaving again um exactly. it sounds like a isekai affair i i have come up with uh the big brains at uh, the galaxy brain answer over here actually uh, i'm gonna say mr okay. ben is actually a uh, magical girl anime. <laughs> he, <laughs> you go on. He, he transforms into a, a costume uh, which offers him powers. Well, it's a magical girl slash isekai, I suppose. But like, uh, you know, he draws his power from from his costume, and uh, well, it doesn't quite fight evil, but does like set the world to to, to rights. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Ben, uh, Sailor Moon prototype perhaps uh leave that for the audience to decide that that settles it then um mr ben 1971 an isekai new isekai uh new show we've got uh some some new shit for you um so i'm gonna kick us off with a couple of uh production notes uh i went and got some cool facts off of the internet about uh the show that we're discussing and i'm gonna lay it on you real quick uh so the show that we're watching is called uh, high school prodigies have it easy even in another world in japanese this is chojin kokose tachi wa isekai demo yoyu de ikinuku yo if you were to translate this uh, literally you'd get something like superhuman high schoolers are in another world but seem to be surviving in comfort <laughs> let's go and uh, the, the fandom community of course they have like a, a cute little contraction of the uh the, the title and they refer to it as uh, cho yo yu which um in my head is like uh, like super comfort or something uh, uh cool <laughs> uh which is which is cute i guess so there were a couple of words in the title um that that stuck out to me actually and i wanted to, to camp out on this for a second um there's the word yoyu or i should say yoyu which uh has the meaning of uh surplus uh flexibility composure calm uh which they sort of translate in the title as comfort right mm. uh, surviving in another world in in comfort or yeah you know, having it easy there's a, a living living calmly living within their uh margins i suppose is a way of uh, thinking about that <laughs> but more interesting is uh the the, the word uh, chojin in the title at the very beginning uh, so this is a a word that is uh, composed of uh, two kanji characters. There's a uh, cho, which uh, means uh, to transcend. And it can also be used as sort of a prefix, uh, the, the prefix like uh, super or ultra. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the character of jin, which means uh, person or human. 
So you put those two together and you get a uh, superhuman, right? Mm. Chojin. <laughs> the interesting thing I found is that uh, this word is also used, for example, in uh, translations of Nietzsche for the word Ubermensch. Mm-hmm. I, I don't claim to know uh, a, a great deal about Nietzsche, but I am aware of how um, his sort of uh, philosophies had an influence on uh, Nazism and uh, their, their ideas about uh, a master race, for example. A word like Chojin is, is not always used in the sense of ubermensch, of course, but it just seems seems like a funny coincidence in the context of this anime, perhaps. Yeah. It did strike me as quite interesting that the world's greatest from all walks of life uh, disseminated from uh, Japan. <laughs> That's, that, that is an interesting fact to consider, yes. They, uh, <laughs> they all happen to be from Japan, and, and they're all the, the best in the world at what they do. Uh, what what could this mean? Cho- Chojin, that's a little something to, to, to think about there. Uh, the show aired uh, between October the 3rd of 2019 to uh, December the 19th of uh, 2019. It's a, a nice little uh, a winter winter affair, fall winter uh, affair. And is, what, is it over already? I'm, I'm afraid so. <laughs> the uh, the the source Down. for the anime is a uh, a light novel by uh, 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 Riku Misora, uh, which is composed of a uh, uh, ten volumes, and unfortunately, uh, that ten volume run has ended. So, uh, no more light novel oh, to adapt. Uh, I'm not certain whether they actually like adapt all of the light novels by the end of the series, so you might might be lucky, you might be in luck, they might have more to adapt. Here, here's another interesting thing: the light novel was uh, published by uh, G. A. Bunko, which is an imprint of uh, S. B. Creative, a uh, a publishing house in Japan. Uh, S. B. Creative, um, the S. B. Get this it stands for SoftBank. this is a uh, publishing firm that is owned by SoftBank Uh, (laughs) uh, the investment funds that is uh, known for investing in all kinds of uh, ghoulish projects uh, ghoulish technology projects that are uh, threatening to make our world uh, a little more precarious and uh, a, a little more dehumanizing uh, via such products as as we work and mm. and an uber uh, etc well this contextualizes the show a little bit well i'm not gonna say that like softbank was was behind green lighting this uh this ridiculous uh, uh light novel series but like uh, again it's like it's a funny coincidence right like uh some uh, companies uh led by a i i would say risk-taking like a business individual sort of a a, a rondian character in a sense and we get like a little bit of that in the show as, as well i mean 
begs the question though is there really any ethical consumption under otakuism <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd have to escape to another world in, in, in order to find that i think <laughs> unless you uh, taint the other world with uh, otaku consumerism as well Riku Misora, the author of uh, the light novels, is also known to have offered other uh, light novels, such as uh, Ultimate Antihero, uh, I Kissed My Girlfriend's Sister, and uh, Chivalry of a Failed Knight, which was also adapted into an anime. Uh, so he's got that anime money. The arts of the light novel is done by uh, Sakura Neko. I couldn't find uh, much other work uh, by them, unfortunately. So I, I think this is like uh, their, their big break uh, right here. Oof. So the studio that produced this anime is a studio called uh, Project 9. Uh, and they were established in 2009 and uh, had a look through some of their other projects. I haven't watched any of their other shows. Uh, they're a fairly young studio. don't have that many projects under their belts. A lot of them are based on light novels and uh, mobile game adaptations. So, you know, and they're uh, cheap licenses. Uh, uh, grab them as quick as you can and, like, uh, turn out an anime for them and uh, rake in the uh, otaku bucks. Uh, <laughs> sort of how that works. Now, Lawrence, you, you, you'd love anime, right? I'd love anime. And, and Vicky, Vicky, you, 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 you really love anime, yeah? I love anime. Now, bearing that in mind, mm. what on earth made you choose this show? We, we rolled the dice. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we each came up with dice. lists. We each came up with lists of um, shows that we'd come across when researching Isekai and. The ones that I'd chosen in my list were like kind of more light-hearted uh, and looked funny, and this was just on that list. And we rolled the dice, and uh, yeah. this one. Yeah, but like, I I I love anime, but I I also love watching train wreck shows that are terrible. Yeah, it's uh, like <laughs> this is like it's really easy to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that, mm. that that reasoning in a bit. Yeah, so some other projects uh, done by um, uh, Project Number Nine, the studio uh, that are like isekai or isekai adjacent. Uh, bottom tier character Tomozaki. Uh, didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life? And uh, <laughs> and you thought there is never a girl online. Uh, a lot of awkward titles there, but um, they really activate the imagination in a sense. That second one, uh, didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life, was one that I came across while looking for <laughs> the next show. And yeah, it, I mean, it looked okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, that show is uh, slightly uh, better regarded than, than this one yeah. online, but um, it, it, yeah, a anime critics online. Uh, are you know not the best <laughs> <laughs> where, where else where else are you getting your anime criticism lawrence i, I make it myself <laughs> like <laughs> this is very this true. is diy <laughs> this is like i'm not trusting anyone An else to like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's trusting anyone else criticism. to give me the, uh, the, the anime takes. I, I'll, I'll generate them myself. Yeah, so I, I, I looked through the staff on the anime as well to like see if there were like some people working on the project that like have worked on any other notable things. Uh, the director is uh, Yanagi Shinsuke. Uh, he has uh, quite a, a resume of like uh, works in which he did uh, key animation and like uh, episode direction. He's like animation director for some like uh, some big name animes actually, uh, but he's never worked on like uh, uh, full titles. He seems like the kind of person that you would hire for particular projects. Uh, most of his directorial roles are all Project Nine uh, shows. There's a couple outside of them. An unfortunate through line through these uh, Project Nine shows was that like uh, uh, many seem to have uh, strong lolicon themes, um, and uh, there is definitely hints at that in this show as well. And we're gonna have to wait and see where that goes, but. Yeah, just best to be prepared, I suppose. I told you, Lawrence, if you get me put on a list... You're, you're already on a list, Joss. On a, a, the list of cool friends that uh, help their pals out on their anime podcast. Wow, happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joss. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, I guess. <laughs> and it, the series composition for the show... Uh, and this is the um, a position that is sort of like a script writer, but like script writer for the entire show, like uh, sort of coordinating um, various scripts and scenarios. They might sit down to write scripts for individual episodes, but like mostly they're involved with the big picture stuff is uh, Mieno Hitomi. And uh, she has a really cool resume because she's a, a singer, songwriter, as well as a, a script writer. Uh, so she's got like some some opening and closing themes in her in her resume, as well as being a, a writer on shows like uh, Noragami, which I f- thought was really great, Arakawa Under the Bridge, Flying Witch, Snow White with the Red Hair, uh, After the Rain, and Assassin's Pride, which were all really well regarded animes, and and then she um, came to to this project for for some reason. And she's the scriptwriter for this show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. And uh, <laughs> lastly, uh, the uh, chief uh, character designer, chief animation director, is uh, Yano Akane, um, who has mostly worked on uh, Project Nine uh, projects. Uh, I felt like she deserves a bit of credit because the show is is well animated for its various flaws um she she clearly put some some work into that and i think uh, credit where credit's due right the milky's physics are exemplary the, yes of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no they were, they were on point are they <laughs> uh, that, it could only be so long before we had to address the uh, elephants in the room <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's the breakdown on uh, high school prodigies have it easy. easy e- e- high school prodigies have it easy, even in another world. Um, I believe it's time to discuss uh, Milky's physics in depth now. If you'd like to join me in the uh, episode summary segment, yes, indeed.
So episode one is called High School Prodigies. Fuck this word, man. High School Prodigies. <laughs> High School Prodigies have arrived in another world. We open on the titular other worlds. We know this because <laughs> we see two women, one with dog ears and one with elf ears, both hauling way more titty than the average spine could support. As well as a basket of eggs for uh, foreshadowing. They look towards the sky as they witness a private jet crash landing not far from their location. For me, that's a, that's a good sign, usually, in, in an anime, seeing a, um, a plane crash landing, because uh, I get immediate lost flashbacks. Yeah, I was just thinking. Um, <laughs> was lost this is exactly good? like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you want to talk about how Lost is good, you're on the right podcast. But why was it good? Lost rules, let the, let the record yeah, show. Yeah, Lost rules. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hill I'm willing to die on. I'm constantly <laughs> defending Lost from, from, from people. People are always telling me how bad it is, and I just don't agree. <laughs> I mean, as prestige TV goes, it's unprestigious. That's good. Have you seen Lost? Yeah, I remember watching it as it was coming out. Oh, really? I've never, I've never rewatched it as a, a, a fully developed frontal cortex owning individual. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe give it a try and uh, start a podcast about it. I'd, 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 I'd definitely <laughs> be on that. I'd be on that podcast. Your answer to everything. <laughs> we are then treated to a sizzle reel introducing us to the promised superhuman high schoolers. Seven of Japan and the world's most brilliant minds, none of them older than fifteen. So uh, we've got let's 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 run through them real quick. Uh, These guys, right here we go. <laughs> so so does does it confirm that they're all younger than fifteen? Then why did I, I miss that? Yeah, me too. I missed that. Um, and we got that they're high schoolers, but I didn't realize what what age of high school huh. we're talking about here. Wait, where did I where did I get that number from? Huh. Whose headcanon were you delving into here? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so they, they could actually be be older, not now that I'm thinking of it, uh, because they they indicate in the title they're high schoolers, uh, so that is like uh between the age of uh, sixteen to eighteen. And uh if they were uh fifteen years old then Perhaps they would have been called middle schoolers. But they might be such prodigies that they've been put in high school. <laughs> like, well, what if I fucking skipped high school and went straight to Parliament? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Are they, like, what high school do they actually go to? Like, <laughs> All the same. What, one high thing, school. They appear to be missing a lot of school in the sizzle reel. <laughs> Someone should yeah. call a truancy officer. <laughs> it's got CPS written all over it. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let, let's let's do the, uh, the the high schoolers. Let's uh, uh, not like that. Um, Ohoshi Ringo. <laughs> Ohoshi Ringo. She is the uh, genius inventor whose ingenuity is several centuries ahead of humanity. 
Uh, that's that's how they phrase that in the show. Uh, also, the creator of a mascot character that is both a rabbit and a bear. Um, not sure whether this guy is cute or violently irritating. Irritating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, so I don't know um, through what medium you watched this, but the translations for the subs that I was watching on Crunchyroll had it saying things like berry instead of very. Yes. Oh, no, I didn't yeah. spot that. <laughs> that was kind of annoying. Growly, growl, growl, growl. <laughs> to me, to me, that's kind of cute. Uh, <laughs> with, the, with the bear puns, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> and like the, the fact that it's like a cross between a bear and a rabbit, and it's called bear rabbit. It's like it's dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb enough for me to like to be like, okay, yeah, no, sure, bear rabbit. I'd buy a plushie, sure. <laughs> Okay, it's a second tune. Uh, Ichijo Aoi, the world's top swordsman. Does this mean she goes around hoovering up fencing gold medals? Uh, nope. Uh, she is shown wrecking the shit of some dudes with AKs for no reason. Yeah, this is a child committing full frontal murder in the, uh, the opening <laughs> sequence. And it's all fine. <laughs> SoftBank's next investment is a gig economy <laughs> app for child soldiers. You heard this here first. Next scene, uh, Kanzaki Kane, a medical genius who scoffs at mortality, uh, apparently. Uh, she's doing some doctor shits that does not seem like a big deal. Yes, she liked doing some simple surgery. She's removing bullets from a, a dead Yeah, fella. removing bullets, right, yeah. So something like an ER doctor would do. Seems like a, a, a really yeah, decent doctor. Yeah, well we can all do that. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally remove a bullet if I had like a... I'm removing a bullet right now. The tweezers. <laughs> yeah, you just need um, tweezers and a tray to put them in. Maybe yeah, it, the like tray a, is important. A YouTube playlist. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're good. I bet there's a YouTube video on how to remove a bullet, and it's like really oh, yeah. easy. <laughs> or oh, I'd love to see the guy that does the YouTube video. <laughs> oh, I bet he's one type of guy. Oh, I want to know that type of guy. I want to know. I wanna, I, correction. I want to know of that type of guy. Constantly getting shot. <laughs> Shoots himself so he can remove bullets from himself. Uh, all right uh next teen sanada masato he's the man behind the world's most wondrous economy according to lime magazine uh so you know it's true any ideas why they chose lime as their analog for uh time magazine yeah <laughs> it, remind, it reminds me of like an in devil is a part-timer like the handheld console that's obviously a ps vita but it's called pasta <laughs> yeah well, they, they don't they don't have like the time or the money to like clear actual copyrights for like uh um uh, names that could be like uh, uh claimed on copyright ground so they just like uh make goofy little um analogs instead and i thought lime was kind of inspired (laughs) (laughs) i guess it's a little more original than like rhyme magazine (laughs) 
like uh, this guy this guy as a billionaire is so influential he made it to the uh, the front cover of a magazine about limes that's, uh, that's pretty good <laughs> and in that picture he's sitting on a pile of limes <laughs> yeah. yeah no you'd expect the, uh, the the margaritaville guy to be on the cover of lime magazine uh what's his name uh, i was gonna say jimmy buffett is, is that yes his name? that's the one jimmy buffett yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they they wanted Jimmy Buffett, but they got Warren Buffett. Where's Jimmy Buffett's magazine cover? Oh, oh my God. Uh, Prince Akatsuki. I hate this twerp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. the, The world's greatest magician. You'd think they'd mean stage magician, but I think he is actually doing magic. This kind of makes him more incredible than the rest of the seven, uh, but he's also the most annoying. They say uh, he's the IMO. greatest magician in the world, but they just show him like, re- like removing the Statue of Liberty. Isn't that what David Copperfield did? Yeah, well, he's using actual magic though. <laughs> wait, wait, did David Copperfield make the Statue of Liberty disappear? Yeah, 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 famously. Yeah. Yeah, so like and that he's was actual magic like, too. So um... he's obviously on par with David Copperfield. Yeah, oh. I want to imagine David Copperfield transformed into whatever the name of this <laughs> fantasy world is as the seventh person instead of Prince Kutsky. <laughs> My next life is David Copperfield. I mean, maybe we can get onto it later, but um, Prince, I could see. Uh, oh fuck me. Prince Akutsuki, <laughs> this kid fits a particular cut because this this show is clearly it's it's about uh, throwing a whole selection of bait into Weeaboo Shark Tank, and uh, yes. Prince Ak- 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 Prince Akutsuki, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely uh, is a, a bait for a, a particular strain of. Oh yeah, no, no, that is that is absolutely yeah. the case. Um, they they definitely, I feel like they just threw a whole bunch of uh, uh, anime tropes in, into a hat and then turned the hat over and said, uh, "Let's just let's just use all of these. Actually, let's let's do them all." And that 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 all becomes clear in episode two with. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think it becomes yeah, yeah, clear right pretty much one. immediately in episode one, <laughs> in in a scene that 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 we'll get to after this. <laughs> we'll get there in a moment. Uh, let's let's clear this uh, this list of teens. Sarutobi Shinobu, the world's top journalist. If by journalism you mean jumping off of tall buildings. I change my mind. It's she so weird. She's like perched on top of a building, actually. and she's like, "I see a scoop," and like dives off the building. What has she seen? <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one I don't actually remember from anything other than the introduction. Yeah. Oh wow! I wish I had your brain. <laughs> my, my, my brain's really toasted right now. <laughs> you don't. You don't remember? Yeah, that's her. I want to know what kind of article she writes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just I, I yeah. didn't know she was a ju- I didn't know she was. She's a, a journalist who's descended from ninjas. <laughs> That's her thing. Well, what the fuck is <laughs> the world's top journalist? What is what is the what are the articles that she writes? <laughs> what are the exposés? 
She did she did she find Epstein's black book or something? She's um she's the journalist that the politician teen uh handily chooses to be the top journalist because she does because she keeps his <laughs> um offshore fund out of the news. She writes puff pieces about crypto guys for wow. magazine. I totally didn't even think of that. But that's definitely what she does. And uh, lastly, uh, Mikogami Tsukasa, <laughs> uh, the world's top politician, uh, having been elected as prime minister of Japan multiple times through direct popular votes. <laughs> he says things like, henceforth. He's the world's top politician. <laughs> I am once again granted the esteemed position of prime minister. <laughs> when he says it. he's already been prime minister once, he's, this is uh, the second go around. How often do they hold elections in Japan? Uh, I, I love how granting himself the position in that screenshot you've given us there. Well, no, he's he's uh, he's granted it via the um, the yeah, awesome democracy. power of a direct yeah. democracy. <laughs> it's like this is uh like the the ultimate condemnation of uh the, the democracy or like the idea of direct <laughs> democracy i i i think like they they let the um everyone in japan just <laughs> vote for the person that they wanted as prime minister and they selected a 15 year old multiple times <laughs> not the first time the country has elected a goggly-eyed freak for uh to be their leader be their prime minister uh, <laughs> twice in a row. Of course, being the unimpeachable leaders in their respective fields, they all hang out with each other and fly in Ringo's private jets that she probably constructed herself. The next thing they know, they're waking up to busty fantasy elves. Uh, one in thing I would world. like to know, and I don't know if this this might get explained as we delve deeper into the lore lore the show. <laughs> Like if this person is the world's greatest inventor, why does her plane crash? I thought she was like two two centuries oh. ahead of humanity. Dumbass. She invents a plane that crashes and like kills the seven yeah. most talented people in the world. Genius. She invents a plane that crashes, yet a nuclear yeah. reactor with an impenetrable shell. Yeah, no, her priorities are slightly messed up, definitely. I I guess, I suppose you could say she did not theorize the possibility of a, a dimension warp causing her uh, plane to lose control or whatever. Um, if if you got an intellect like that, like, yeah. you should be considering... Like, She's two centuries ahead of the rest whatever. of humanity. Like... <laughs> so they say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like, if uh, Elon Musk is like talking shit about Roscoe's basilisk and shit, like, yeah, notorious <laughs> intelligent guy Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, uh, Ringo should be at, at least like you know, notorious great inventor, Elon super Musk. genius Elon Musk. <laughs> well, you, you know how you know he's like actual like Iron Man guys. <laughs> Didn't, didn't know y'all had it in for Elon Musk like that. <laughs> no, I didn't realize you were a Musk stan. 
I'm fine because I'm I'm investing in crypto. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be the one of the the last laugh in, in this one. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> to the moon, right? Grow, grow, grow. All right. So we we learned the name of the elf girl, uh, Lirul. She begins spoon feeding Sukasa a stew made with goat's milk. Unfortunately, the plane crash has caused Sukasa to forget how to eat. Naturally, Lirul concludes that the only way to feed Sukasa those nourishing brown bits is by baby birding it into his mouth via a big, wet, sloppy kiss. I think like this. This is where you know, like the the, the show is <laughs> dull until this point. Yeah, this <laughs> is where I you could I could feel myself spiraling downwards and (laughs) i was reaching towards reaching towards the uh the light at the end of the abyss it's it's that it's that it's that string of saliva that comes out between their mouths and she falls away (laughs) why is that there They, I like to imagine that they first drew it without that, and then the director uh, or whatever was like, "That's not convincing." Put a big, <laughs> goopy string of saliva between the mouths. <laughs> not not enough space. I'm seeing milkies, but not seeing cummies. <laughs> you know, this is. This is the point where when I knew that yeah. like the anime had had fucking arrived like uh this is uh this this just sets the tone immediately for the kind of anime uh that is that this is uh, as as you have observed Joss it's like a, just a big old grab bag of like um, anime tropes designed to uh, appeal directly to uh people of particular uh, uh pro- proclivities <laughs> um and it's it's got a, a little bit of a uh, something for everyone in that respect. Um, that's where's that's the my signal thing? that they're giving off of this one. That's where uh, your your thing. Where is the thing for me? Um. Well. Um. Free free market economics. You're like. Uh, <laughs> you know. You, you. Um. No. No. That that was. Uh, the unions when they when they unionized the the, the, the folks and make them into. Uh, yeah, like, uh, when did when did they uh, unionize? When they, when they, uh, that was no workers cooperative, my friend. No, <laughs> was that not what he was doing? Absolutely we'll, not. We'll no. <laughs> no, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um. Before the rest of the stew can be orally transferred, the dog-eared lady of before interrupts and boobily introduces herself as Winona. Again, like th- this being like based on a light novel, I just I just imagine um, the author just is is he is he like describing <laughs> like these characters and their their, yeah. their features <laughs> like or. <laughs> There is someone on the anime team making an executive decision qua like a bus sizes and, and shit or like because it like you use the word boobily there <laughs> and I think there's a scene in episode three when they're in the hot tub 
where like that was what was going through my head as well like they're just boobing boobily oh, <laughs> that's just what they're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or is she like she like yeah. introduces herself and does like yeah. a little wink and then her boobs like, just bounce <laughs> which is which is like anime like, she tenses her know, boob as muscles anime as, it, as it gets really she flexes like... them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just do it a pectoral maybe it's flex. something her species can do we don't know <laughs> Tsukasa uses his awesome powers of deduction to conclude that he is in another world called Freyagard where folks with animal features roam called Buma what's more they speak a different language but they are able to communicate with him perfectly as if they were simply speaking Japanese. I guarantee you this will never come up again. Tsukasa beseeches the ladies to take him to the site of the plane crash. This is sort of in line with uh, the last two um, isekais that we've seen in that uh, the, the transfer, the whole transfer taking place, not not a very big deal. Like this already sort of presupposes that you're familiar with what an isekai is so they can like get all of that shit out of the way and they like uh, establish, oh, they, they are speaking a different language, but it's being like auto translated for us. Um, I, yeah, I have not. a feeling that it's uh, never coming up again. I mean, it was just a completely unnecessary, yeah, bit of com bit of dialogue though. Like, I was I neither knew <laughs> nor cared why they were all speaking Japanese. Yeah, well, you see, the the um the saliva string guy also happens to like share a, a Venn diagram overlap with like the uh, anime pedant asshole. Who's like, they're all speaking <laughs> Japanese in another world. That yeah, doesn't maybe. make sense. You gotta, you gotta keep your bases covered. Once there, he sees the complete wreckage of the plane. Their recovery from this crash is nothing short of miraculous. A red dragon flies overhead, and Tsukasa has no choice now but to accept that he and his mates have been isekai'd. One month later, there is a festival held in the village the super teens ended up in. They're sat around some tables with the rest of the Buma villagers, Enjoying their meat logs, <laughs> cheese shavings, and boiled eggs. Gotta love those cheese shavings. Some more of that weird baby bird <laughs> stew. <laughs> That's what they look like to me. <laughs> yeah. I like to imagine that even even now, Sukasa is pretending that he can't eat just to have her baby bird the food into his mouth. <laughs> and he just keeps doing that. Yeah. <laughs> From his new mummy girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Can I can I have extra brown in this bite, please? <laughs> you, the the brown bits make you strong, Sukasa. Uh, <laughs> they all raise a wooden mug of grape drink to their full recovery. Prince Akatsuki, the kid who is literally magical, is the only one of the group having a nervous breakdown but only at the at thought this of point, being like in never another again. world. Because I have anxiety. <laughs> I'm a delicate <laughs> soft boy. <laughs> Lero offers some useful exposition about the racial makeup of this world that might have been useful earlier, you know, <laughs> like a, a, a month yeah. ago when they, they woke up asking 
where am I? Where is yeah, this? Yeah, that's what I thought was happening as well. Like like, immediately out on the left. I, I really couldn't tell that a month had <laughs> yeah. passed until I think one of them mentioned it at some point. Yeah. And I was really surprised. Because they weren't talking like a month had passed. No, yeah. they're all talking like they just got out of beds and started fucking drinking a <laughs> of wine and eating potatoes slathered in mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Spoiler. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's uh, let's progress to the next sentence. Winona carts out a pile of steamed potatoes for some ungrateful twerps. Though they are, of course, delicious on their own, Tsukasa brought his political genius to bear, introducing the concepts of mayonnaise. This blows the tiny minds of the pupper children and Lirul. In fact, no one in the village can get enough of the stuff. They spend the evening drinking and eating steamed potato after steamed potato. Yeah, yeah, well, I thought it was all, a baked potato. potato. But we can, yeah. Oh, maybe they oh, do. Don't they say steamed potato? Maybe it was microwaved. <laughs> I, I, I have thoughts. I, rem- <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're 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 baked potatoes, basically. I think they used the term steamed potato, but like it looks like a baked potato to me as well. Which, yeah, you could have mayonnaise on that, I suppose. That's not necessarily like a, a, uh, a weird thing, no, is it? I don't think so. Good combination. Uh, they, they do some interesting mm. things with uh, a mayonnaise moving forward, though. Um, oh, and uh, <laughs> it definitely establishes a, a sort of a, a, a foothold for uh, the super teens in their uh, slow conquering of uh, like this, this new domain. And it also sort of sets the tone in terms of the overall, like, intelligence of, like, the people around them. Everyone is <laughs> very dumb. Yeah. They're, they're dumb as rocks. And uh, no, one, no one in this world could have conceived of the concept of, like, whisking some eggs together with uh, oil. A, a fat oil. <laughs> and making mayonnaise themselves until these uh, teens came over and imposed their colonial will in order to uplift um, these uh, savage children from <laughs> the, the dirt of another world. <laughs> I mean, they start with mayonnaise. You've, you've, you've touched on the beginning yeah. of it, but that is very much. You could say ma- mayonnaise down, is one it? of the key themes yeah. of the show. Yeah. <laughs> How can I reach yeah. these savage? Well, there are too, but yeah. It's a, a definite uh, uh, outsiders pull the savages up out of their uh, What could it be? Dry a, potato an allegory for, I wonder. Uh, and bring them, bring them the glories of war. They civilize them. Yeah. Civilize yeah. them with mechanized war- warfare. It's a, it's a story, a story we've we've never seen or heard before or since. Yeah, yeah. If um, if the opening credits are anything to go by, yeah. Uh, what's Sir that Kassi about? Does, uh, get a gun at some point, and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of looking the forward to when that. Genius inventor going to invent him a gun. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> uh, no, the, I've, I've the, watched the lubricant of modern episode, politics. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. Not say anything. Finally, 
Winona is drunk enough to tell her story of the seven heroes who came from another world. <laughs> oh, how the wine talks. A long time ago, seven heroes came from another world and freed the land from a dragon. So the story goes. Of course, this is merely a fairy tale, Winona reminds us. <laughs> Elk, the village treasurer, and Winona's son chimes in to say it is indeed a dumb story for babies. And, and we more. don't watch or listen to dumb stories for babies here. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> and what's more, these super teens are eating them out of house and home. In the month that they have been convalescing from their plane crash, all they have contributed was mayonnaise, and Elk is Good no longer him. standing for this shit. <laughs> so yeah, here's, yeah, here's no. some of the the wor- the most ham-fisted exposition over. Yeah, no, it's 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 witnessed. like the, the the exact like uh, tone of of condescension. Uh, really, it's like uh, you you enjoy baby stories. Here's a here's another baby story for you, and like uh, it's 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 made even more condescending by like uh, and this fairy tale creature in a fairy tale world being like, yeah, it's all it's all made up and and bullshit though. So it's, this show has is such a this kind of new sincerity, but presented with such nonchalance and condescension mm. to to the audience like uh yeah it's it's like they expect us to yiff along with the whole damn thing yeah uh, no uh, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, milkies and cunnies they candy. whip you up into a frenzy and then talk <laughs> free market <laughs> economics at you <laughs> whip you up like mayonnaise That's... but it's it's uh, <laughs> yeah it's 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 they they did some kind of uh, word cloud of just like fucking shit the weebs will lap up and, yeah. and then just jammed it all in didn't they they really did like we can we can sell this shit at cons we'll sell them we'll sell them fucking fluffy fluffy ears and silly tails we've got we've got a, a little boy that everyone says looks like a girl and the and the fucking the ex Harry Potter fans can all go dressed as 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 the, that one. <laughs> the ex Harry oh, Potter got, fans that are thirty two. We've got, we've got milk. We've got milkies galore. We can we can we can sell we can sell mouse mats. We can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. There there is a a great deal of like uh, just. Uh, there, there is a vein of contempt that that runs through uh, some of what is being presented in the story, and like uh, we mentioned the dragons, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon earlier, like um, that was a you know a, a vehicle for marketing a a uh, tabletop RPG, a pen and paper RPG, and yeah. and nothing more, and and it was it was clearly you know a ham fisted attempt to ape. Um, Shows like He Man, which were just a, a ham-fisted right. way of selling selling action figures, but yep, even then, like you, you feel like there's some effort in there, or at least some sincerity from the creators. This is just um, 
Uh, yeah, well, that that that's the thing. Like, uh, I I I do think there is like uh, some some degree of like craft and craftiness and and cunning behind like this this construction uh, that is uh, meant to um, to incite to to activate uh, a certain people into purchasing and uh, and and devoting and talking about um, these uh, empty hollow husks. Um, mm. I, I think that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I, I think it goes interesting places. It's it's definitely meant to, to whip you up. We've used that phrase a couple of times now, but it's uh, it's it's accurate. After the festivities are through, the seven meets in a secret lodge to discuss their isekai game plan. They agree to gather more info on this world to try and find a way back. Their only clue being the dull snippet of a generic fantasy synopsis that Winana offered them. Most pressingly, though, they agree to repay the village for their kindness by solving their finances. All are in agreement. The next day, Ringo appears to have modded their smartphones to work in this world, briefly forgetting what anime she is in. Does this mean they can play gacha games, email their families, uh, the military? Yeah, I simply don't understand <laughs> how this would work. <laughs> We're not told. Uh, I'm, I'm, guessing a, I'm guessing what she means is we can call each other. Uh, that, that's yeah, what how? Really do. How does she want <laughs> yeah. their smartphones to, to work in this world? Yeah, well, she's uh, she's the Elon Musk of of uh, of the the seven. You know, she built a five G tower. <laughs> She built, scrap metal she built from... a five G tower like Elon Musk did <laughs> that one time. <laughs> she introduced the uh, the idea of anti five G petitions to uh, to this poor unsuspecting <laughs> world. Five G towers are turning our little magicians into girls. <laughs> <laughs> They're making our milkies too big. <laughs> said no one (laughs) she also confirms that the miniature nuclear reactor she created to power her private jets was unharmed in the devastating crash what a relief yeah that's a huge relief isn't it (laughs) yeah Yeah, what a what an entrance it would be to like uh, uh, explode on the scene of this uh, some kind of nuclear holocaust with a mushroom cloud. I would explain the cat ears and giant milkies, I guess. Oh my god. It, it would. I think. We, we, we yeah, all know so from past, past experiences oh. with nuclear disaster that the, the milkies... A well-known are, side uh, effect. Yeah. We all remember that episode of Chernobyl. What? Why does she have a mini nuclear reactor in her fucking plane anyway? Because it's such a safe and efficient uh, uh, energy source. If you had a plane, you'd know, Vicky. I wish I had an Elon Musk impression, damn. Well, it certainly sounds like he just, he just talks me. It's yeah, a me, Elon. <laughs> Mamma mia. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I sent out a pizza to Mars. <laughs> Oh man, Ringo has already spotted a deposit of bauxite nearby that she plans to refine into aluminum, with the permission of 
glorious leader. This scene and in the previous one in the in the cabin as well, I I think like uh, establishes uh, our characters and who the protagonists uh, really are in a sense. There's there's seven of these teens, but really it the show is just about one maybe two of them. Repeatedly, were shown that uh, none of the other uh, cast members, none of the other uh, girls, have uh, any kind of agency uh, beyond what um, uh, Tsukasa tells them to do. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a trick. We're misled. Uh, we're getting um, one for the price of seven, or like as is usual, a uh, one protagonist and his harem. I guess. <laughs> Just then, some gropey soldier henchmen show up at the village demanding the titty tax, or whatever cartoonish <laughs> villainy they have in mind. Tsukasa intervenes with a bit of diplomatic judo that looks a lot like regular judo. Shinobu and Aoi show up to take care of the rest of the soldiers and do their dumb catchphrases. The soldiers are summarily chased off after Tsukasa reminds them that they are parasites. <laughs> Leeching off the system. <laughs> Make no mistake. You are but a parasite leeching off of the system, Tsukasa says. I don't quite understand that comment. Now, the, so when this first happened, I thought, when they first rode in, I thought, finally, some anti-copaganda. But then mm. he <laughs> just sort of, uh, the the politic guy, just sort of sort of simpers at them. He, he just sort of appeases them with a, my dad's a lawyer type uh, comeback. <laughs> and, and they slink off. Yeah, well, he, he sort of, like, gives them a little taste of, like, his... Uh, 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 politics using a, a phrase that um, I hope is not the kind of way that he speaks to his voter base, like, uh, <laughs> like or he's he's supposed to be the politician, but um, he definitely has some opinions about like uh, the, the the way that uh, a, a society is structured, and uh, one <laughs> element of it is uh, parasitic. Um, he's certainly chosen the correct element to call parasitic. Um, but is, should this really be a part of your playbook, uh, Mr. Two-Time Prime Minister? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's about time someone called these gropey rent-a-cops parasites. <laughs> uh, I'm just not sure I trust who it's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure that the soldiers don't tattle to their feudal lord, Tsukasa has sent Prince Akatsuki to put the fear of God in them by, and I cannot stress this enough, performing actual magic. Yeah, this has got to be actual magic. There's no way he's just like David Blaine in there. His, his head is floating around. Now the thing is, David though, Copperfield done this. people who, as we were explaining that in that, that ham-fisted exposition earlier, people who look like the human people that have just come to this world have magic in this world. Yeah. And that was one for the anime pedants, uh, the, the, the plot pedants back there. Again, I guess he can do whatever magic he wants in this world. But they yeah. they also don't seem to know anything about magic in this world because they're like, they spend the next, well... Maybe uh, he has a natural proclivity. 
I, I think, yeah, because he's a magician in, in the real world. <laughs> yeah. And he can do actual magic in this world. He can make his head flow around. Real-ass magic. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to me like he was doing real-ass magic before, and we didn't get a scene where he was like, what, I can do real magic now? So, like, is he just that skilled at, like, concealing his stage magic? No one's that skilled. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I i don't i don't like being fucking uh messed around with when you show me stage magic i want to i want to see like the fucking behind the scenes i want to see the prestige starring uh yes. Akatsuki. <laughs> they should make the prestige into a fucking anime every time he does a magic trick princess akatsuki Afterwards, there should be a scene where he explains how it was done, (laughs) like magician secrets or whatever it's called. Yeah, the 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 magic magic circle can't come and hunt you down when you're in another world. (laughs) (laughs) Um. With the situation taken care of, Tsukasa once again gathers his super friends and reasserts their mission in this unlikely situation they found themselves in. He ends with the ominous warning not to use 100% of their superhuman high school powers for the risk of ruining this brave new world. Use your brain at 30% capacity. (laughs) Uh, I found this bit a little bit interesting um, because it's the first kind of indication that they uh, give to us that uh, perhaps these uh, super teens are aware that the way in which they're affecting this other world could have like um, negative repercussions. Mm. I don't think they're going to like uh, stay true to that. Uh, like uh, that's uh, as we see in like the episode that follows. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they give us the the sense that they're aware that like uh, they're their knowledge and uh, and their expertise could like have a negative effect on like uh, this uh, pristine savage in a sense new uh, location i mean there there is already like a certain order imposed on uh, the world that they're in it's like uh, one of like uh, autocratic uh, feudalism with like uh, um, soldiers doing doing whatever they want, and like uh, traders establishing uh, exploitative uh, monopolies, but their their response to that is um, to yeah, we're gonna get into their response, I suppose, in the, in the next episode. There's a small, tiny, minuscule slither of the possibility that this show might go on to examine the impact of what the advancement of colonial warfare can do for uh, peoples or nations uninitiated or untouched by yeah the the drives of singularly individualistic hyper-intelligent teens which is the moral that most stories need to to impart Leave it in the hands of the teens. It'll all be all right. Lay your worries down at the feet of these enlightened teens. So this episode, we've had the, these teens all introduced to us. And despite what we may think of the the industries or their view on the industries that they're in or the, the, how they choose to use their talents, they're all presented as forces for 
for good in the world they came from, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say that's uh, that's that's definitely how they 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 want us to frame them. Like uh, uh, Masato, the the CEO, refers to himself as the 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 devil of finance or whatever the fuck. But yeah, like M- Malsama. <laughs> But the show, the show knows. The show wants us to to know that he's good and he's cool, and uh, slavery that, yeah. is fine when the slaver is a good guy. <laughs> we'll get, to, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh god. Episode two is called. Masato is serious about making money. Well then, it seems we're at an impasse, Masato says, using the patented cool guy phrase to indicate that he is practicing his arts. The arts of the deal. (laughs) He and Elk are trying to sell the village's goods to the Neutzeland Trading Company, but he's unsatisfied with their prices. The company's CEO is obligingly sat at the front desk, taunting them as they leave to find another buyer. Good luck with that, though. They're the only company with a gold-framed permit from the States that allows them to buy and sell goods. If there's one thing Masato hates, it's being scammed. Unless he's doing the scamming. That's literally what he says. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> verbatim and and that's how he, that's how he proceeds that's what he that's what he goes and does i do like how our yeah he's evil <laughs> ceo guy is literally just welcoming these guys at the front desk yeah he's like the receptionist <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really really putting in the work in this small startup here he's so far he's, he's a great looking character <laughs> this guy one of the only things i enjoy <laughs> about the show is is the selection of baddies even the uh feudal cops that showed up mm. they were still like uh they were great baddies yeah i feel like the the kind of uh, approach that this anime is taking to uh creating uh villain characters is to to make them as like uh evil and monstrous and and ugly as possible uh, in opposition to uh, these teens who are monstrous on the insides and uh, whose souls are uh, rotten, but uh, it's not re- reflected in their uh, cute anime appearances. Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, the the ones that are intended for the sort of the cosplayers to really leap on a very blank vessels for you to put your own interpretations into your own. Uh, will project your own wills and feelings onto whereas the uh the villains who are, have more sort of complex costumes and looks hell yeah. are uh yeah actually have a bit of personality they don't just have a catchphrase nin 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 oh it angers me oh it angers me so <laughs> Uh, they reconvene outside where Masato expresses his anger over the raw deal they've been handed. He asks Elk to take the reins on this business trip, promising to crush Neutzland within a week. Here we go. All the while, a small cat girl 
is listening in on their plots. Elsewhere, Prince Akatsuki is putting on a magic show for the village tots. He performs his signature handkerchief into chicken spell to the awe and delights of the audience. That chicken it's looks pretty cool, actually. It's like it's 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 got its like hands on its hips, kind of. <laughs> Am I seeing that? <laughs> I don't really get his 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 little tiny hat. Though. Oh my god, that tiny hat is fucking annoying. <laughs> I can't stand tiny hats on anyone, really. Like, um, mm. like Adobisi's tiny beanie. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like constantly about to fall off. Like, fucking pull it over your head, please. I mean, like, this mm. this character is. I mean, I don't know how you feel about re- uh, referencing other. Uh, well, well, we'll call them what they are: uh, competitors on this show. <laughs> but uh, this is something Griffin McElroy would fucking dream up. This this little fuck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> but in in this moment, they even like call him a girl, and he's like, "I'm actually a boy." Just, but but there's, that's pure bait for the for the the, yeah. the short haired, boyish figured the university librarians of the of the world to go to. <laughs> Anime convention is dressed as. Mm. Yeah, it's it's also like a, a, a signal for a particular a lurker in the a Twitter anime avi minds mm. who, who have a, a particular a language for this kind of character uh, that's, that, that, I, that I won't repeat for this show. Why not? Um, but uh, it's it's insidious uh, because I, I don't feel like I'm entirely equipped to like uh, express all of the angles of, of, of that. But, uh, okay. I don't know. It's at some point watching, watching all of these, watching all of this shit, we're probably going to have to address it at some point in some way. I think the, the, the least problematic term to call this character is queer bait. This is the show. Yeah. This is the show's mm-hmm. initial initial queer bait for the the library queers and the 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 glitter queers maybe and maybe a few meetings queers. If people don't know, I've I've well and truly pigeonholed almost every queer you could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can spot these tropes seeping in and can spot exactly who they're for. <laughs> we see you, Prince Akatsuki. The rest of the super teens have also endeared themselves to the villagers by teaching them cross-stitching, uh, cutting logs, and converting a ruined temple into a Tesla factory. Tsukasa, for his part, has been flexing his political muscle in order to make lots and lots of mayonnaise. Lirul opines how the mayonnaise has truly restored the village's lust for life, but they're beginning to run low on supplies. We converted just we converted all our earthly wealth into mayonnaise. May, mayonnaise. <laughs> <to> me. <laughs> Invest in mayo coin. <laughs> she hopes Masato and Elk are able to get along well enough to acquire the goods they need to make it through the winter. A Winona appears amidst their mayo-making sesh and tells them about Jacoi, the asshole that's been monopolizing trade in the area and exploiting villagers. Of course, none of the villagers have the sense to talk to each other for like a moment, let alone unionize. 
Uh, Tsukasa is not worried, however. Uh, Masato is capitalism in human clothing. So naturally, he trusts his judgment. Yeah, that's what checks out. What could possibly go wrong? We don't need the big government over here imposing on like uh, this uh, business business elements and uh, the exploitation of uh, in the free markets. Politics would only get in the way of uh, what Masato was trying to achieve. I think they I think they do that on purpose, or maybe I'm reading too far into it. I don't know. We have to read something into this fucking garbage <laughs> yeah <laughs> read away this, find some context is, yeah this Otherwise, is open just fucking drivel it's straight from like the neolib playbook isn't mm, it absolutely yeah meanwhile back in the big city masato has already managed to score a business permit from the mayor all it took was some lights blackmail on the part of shinobu Surprisingly, the only licensed trading company in town was also sending kickbacks to the mayor? Who would have thought? Masato sets out to buy up stock whilst also chiding Elk for his lack of business acumen. So, through this blackmail, he's able to get his own business permit. So, now that Neutschland is not the only trader... Or trading company with a business permit so i guess what i don't but i think might have been better for everyone if he was going to use this blackmail for something is to maybe like get the mayor to give business permits to lots of people but he, he as he explains in a, in a in a few moments time he's a complete fucking jerk off and <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it though isn't it absolutely yeah like if, no. he, if he actually cared he about the people in the city yeah. and their right to like sell their goods yeah he's only out for himself he's a real piece of shit he's the joker of uh finance <laughs> <laughs> um, the joker of finance <laughs> Well, like, this this is another situation where just the the just complete stupidity of like everyone in this world is made evident again. Like, um, so you've, you're you're in a situation where there's only um one uh, trading company in town who is licensed to like buy and sell goods or whatever. Like, um, mm. well, how about uh, f- fuck a license? Let's just uh buy and sell to each other. Let's uh, trade and I buy. know. They might send their heavies out to come and grope your tits. Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> like, first of yeah. all, like, uh, Collect the they, tax. <laughs> they, they weigh way it's more than time. any of those soldiers in full armor, so they just, just knock them the mm. fuck out, like, uh, just uh, unionize, like, uh, create a militia, yeah. and uh, oust the mayor, like, the, the other thing, like, the way uh, Masato gets a, um, a permit is, he reveals the mayor's accounts and like finds that he's mm. been getting money from Neutschland. Like, did no one else put two and two together on that one? Like, of course he's getting money from the only fucking yeah. trading company in town to like keep it that way. Like, uh, how did, did why is no one else? Why has no one? It's, it's stupid. It makes me feel dumb. You don't have to be a high school prodigy to figure that out. Yeah. A and, superman. And then his reaction is like, oh, no, please don't tell anyone about dad. Here, have a business permit. <laughs> 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 uh, 
it's it's uh, um, wild. Did I misunderstand that, or is is that is is that what is happening in the show? I... That is what's happening. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous that to even countenance a, a, an alternate reality where politicians are afraid of being exposed of financial corruption. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's really where I, 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 I switched off I started scrolling through my phone I watched a, a whale truly diving through the water on my yeah Twitter I feed. mean it's 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 not like he he wouldn't have gone to prison or anything would he he would have been totally fine if that had come out <laughs> uh, tr- truly we have crossed over to the other side we're in a, another world just then a wayfish, a lowly cat girl urchin named Rue appears before the two, begging to be taught the ways of making money. I want gold. I want to make my own living. I don't want to live under other people any longer, she says. Masato sees the flame of greed in her eyes. Thus, he takes her under his wing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she's probably not greedy. She's probably just like really desperate because she's a slave. (laughs) I mean, yeah. This hasn't this hasn't been this hasn't been explained or revealed yet. But uh, Masato definitely sees the uh, possibility of some child exploitation uh, opening opening up to him, and uh, decides today's as good as day as any to groom a cat child (laughs) (laughs) when in Rome yeah I I mean I I feel like they could have played this uh, a a lot in in a lot grosser uh, way but I I oh they'll get there yeah um, (laughs) uh, it remains to be seen I suppose but um, Masato does like uh, constantly refer to her as like an investment uh, as a as, as a mm. product as a as a goods um that he's investing in um you know the, the idea of 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 taking a um a, a young orphan under your wing and making them into someone who is capable of uh, fending for themselves and uh standing on their own two feet in the world of uh, adulthood that's uh, that's an awesome story and that's uh, and that's, no, that's what i that's what, what i come does. to for nothing to call anything no to call it anything <laughs> no. other than grooming <laughs> followed by some mm. child exploitation is 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 uh yeah doing it uh service it's uh yes it's one of those sometimes you do get those like uh yeah moments of dissonance when watching an anime thinking what fucking planet are these people coming from (laughs) Uh, maybe Uh, and like maybe this is simply uh masato's like uh, a a way of uh, expressing his his carries uh growing up in the the world of uh uh, uh finance and and business dealings and uh, only knows the uh that way of uh, of interacting with people so uh, uh of course uh, I, I have my misgivings about that as well but um we'll see i'm i'm shrugging mm-hmm. I'm, I'm shrugging <laughs> later that evening at the local cantina Masato is chatting up a group of bear boy merchants. 
trying to get them to pay him to sell their own goods. Of course, since everyone in this world appears to be dumb as rocks, Masato proceeds to give an explanation of consignment deals. He forgoes the opportunity to totally fleece these simpletons, which is generous, I guess. The Bear Boys go off to tell their friends about this once-in-a-lifetime deal. You don't think he's totally fleecing them? I mean, they're getting absolutely fucked already. <laughs> they're getting yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, true. rammed by the, yeah. uh, the, the blonde dandy from earlier. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's giving them the opportunity to, to be slightly uh, less fucked and uh, take home a little bit more, more scratch in the end. He's definitely uh, fleecing them, scamming them, hoodwinking them mm. by not just being like, fucking unionize i've got a friend of yeah. mine who can who can slice people with ak's in half um <laughs> I'll, I'll send her your way uh take care of these assholes who are fucking your shit up but that, that's not what he's about yeah it's weird that in a world where they already have seemingly the means for production all production is handled by cooperative cooperative villages or uh small communities by the by the sounds of it but yeah they yeah they mm remain mm. completely unable to sell their wares without the fear of uh, a groping from from the grope police. <laughs> a, a stern a stern groping of the of the wallets. I'll, uh, si- size up that wallets and uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's a, a real yeah. a real dis- disconnect here. And then Masato also like in in this scenario like even if he were to sort of absorb their selling capability into his own company he still doesn't have to take 10% he could still let them keep all of their own money but let them trade like under his name why would he do that though Ex- yeah yeah <laughs> i'm just uh, highlighting how he is fleecing them Ooh, ooh, NCAP nerd has entered the chat, but the boss is taking on more risks than the employees and therefore should be compensated for taking the additional risk. But in, in this situation, there's hardly yeah, he any He explains there's zero there's no risk. risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no risk because he, he's not putting any money in or himself. Labor, he's just got his no. trading permit. Well, he's done his yeah. blackmail someone into giving him a uh, permission to... Yeah, he doesn't yeah. lose anything. Oh, Operate within the tap. What I, I I don't I don't quite understand what the conceit is here. Like, uh, could these people not set up shop anywhere in the land? Are the are the are the townspeople of uh, this city unable to travel to the perimeter of the city? I don't understand. Oh yeah, well they they need a permit to to leave the city as well, don't they? Do they? I missed, um, maybe I missed that. Uh, as is like, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, well they, they need a permit to leave the city. They need a permit to to sell and so buy. Just grope the baddies right back. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> really seize those means of production. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah, that's uh, but but clearly uh, everyone in this world is a, a, a child, if not in body, then in spirit. Even the uh, the, the screenshot uh, I put here in the notes got like these uh, bear boys being like, uh, <laughs> "How much is ten <laughs> percent?" Like, I mean, that yeah. would be me. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my, my mans could have like just bent them over a barrel and uh, taken them for, for all they're worth. And it, yeah, they wouldn't know if, whether they were better or worse off under the, the other dudes. It's uh, it's uh, kind of ridiculous and, and sad. It's mm. uh, The next day, the market is rammed with traders offering up their goods for consignments. In business, the one thing you need more than money is trust, Masato muses. Since they're basically getting other people to sell their own goods for them, there is no cap to their potential growth. Masato has Neutschland in his sights now. Growth economy, baby, to the moon. Wow, I really, I really hope he hears this, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Notice me, Senpai Musk. Simp- simping for growth economy. <laughs> As uh, the market opens, people flock towards all the lovely, inexpensive goods. It seems like they're about to make a killing. Meanwhile, Shinobu is staked out on a tall building, most likely in search of scoops. She transmits the information she's learned about Jakui to Masato, and they cryptically talk about fulfilling Ringo's request. Back at the village, the villagers enjoy all of the lovely goodies that they have brought back from town. Shinobu reports to Sukasa. On the other side of town, word has reached the Neutschland CEO, Jakui, about the dealings of Masato and his elm trading group. He smiles grossly, but remains unworried. I, I don't actually remember the uh, this, the CEO guy making a, a huge impression on me other than like his, his obvious uh, villainousness. But he's also kind of an idiot seeing that uh, suddenly a, a competitor has emerged who has like, managed to acquire a permit like his, but then decides not to do anything about it. Yeah, because... He's obviously paying the mayor to make sure he's the only one that has a permit, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, that was how they got the permit in the first place. Yeah, by... by yeah, so, like, the fact them. that he's, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um... Rather than high school prodigies have it easier, even, even in another world, it should be like, uh... High school prodigies have it easy because everyone else is too stupid to oppose them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Back at the markets, if things weren't going well enough for Masato and co, they have now whipped out the jars of mayonnaise to sell. Rue demonstrates its use by dipping a gherkin in it and having a bite. Mm. The the, uh, classic uh, gherkin and mayo combo uh, (laughs) that we know and love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Given that those people have never eaten mayonnaise before... They just see her dipping a gherkin in it, and they're like, that looks fucking delicious. <laughs> would you think that? I don't know if I would. Uh, she's doing the food wars face, so... Uh, yeah, she really uh, is, yeah. <laughs> and the sparkling like around her as well. It's very food wars. Oh, it's some of that. A pretty boy sea captain of the merchant fleet shows up at their mayo booth. It seems Masato is trying to make mayo an international thing. 
they strike a deal to work with each other exclusively. Once Jacoby hears of this, he decides to bring the fights to their home turf. Elk, Rue, and Masato are chilling at the inn that evening when Shinobu appears to report that Neutschland is about to set off a trade war. Masato is unperturbed, however. As he opens the window of their room, he sees a crowd of merchants standing outside, glowering and looking up at him. Because I guess they had nothing else to do? Yeah. They're just standing there, staring up at the window, <laughs> with like a determined look on their faces. They there all night? How long have you been there? He's just ready at the window when Masato opens it and looks down on them like... Uh, uh, NPCs. <laughs> NPCs, exactly. <laughs> uh, just uh, fully NPC. You've brains. got to gaggle lagoons. Oh. You've got to prepare them for the moment in which you uh, reveal them. Like, couldn't they have done this on their own without the guidance of an asshole billionaire? You, you know, and like, look up at yeah. the, when was the, the last the, time the you guys or I did anything without the guidance of an asshole billionaire? Yeah, I don't get out of the bed in the morning without the guidance of an asshole billionaire. <laughs> my my iPhone <laughs> sets off <laughs> sets off an alarm. Hmm. You wish to unionize, yet you have uh, iPhone products. Uh, <laughs> I'm very smart. <laughs> uh, these are the blades that will kill off Neutschland, he says. Yeah, that's uh, that's episode two. It was not what I was expecting from this show <laughs> at all. <laughs> it really isn't. I was really surprised. What were you expecting? Not this. <laughs> I thought it would be like, uh, I don't know, just like dumb, lowbrow fantasy shit. Less bureaucratic, I think, at least. Yeah. Less economics. Yeah. Less patronizing <laughs> economics. Yeah. I, I, thought that, I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was a, an, an interesting angle, that like rather than mm -hmm. a hero emerging and, I, I don't yeah. know, a, a leveling up to 100 and swinging the sword real well got a, a, a boy with the, the biggest brain to teach these these uh, rubes about consignment sales really nice <laughs> sort of roided out ancap lemonade stand fantasy <laughs> vehicle yeah it's, it's it was definitely unexpected and mm, um, yeah and, and, that, and that's, that's always a surprise it's it's uh, insidious also I, I I don't know. I I do get kind of a kick out of a uh, uh, yeah, seeing I it was an, entertaining anime like uh, uh, praising like uh, a, a neoliberal like uh, slow poisoning of uh, a fantasy yeah. society. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sitting there like uh, clutching clutching my fists and like uh, clenching my fists, <laughs> and <laughs> it's very like. I, I must know just how far in the rabbit hole goes. Yeah. Just uh, what what more disgusting shit is this anime going to throw at the wall uh, to to get me angry at it? It's um. So now we we've reached episode two. Uh, so ep episode mm. one is always ropey, right? Of pretty much any anime. Mm. Uh, because the, the, sure. they always, they generally have so much ex sort of exposition. It's always done in quite a ham fisted way. 
to sort of set up the rules of the world. But usually by episode two, usually by episode two, there's someone you give a fuck about. But like, (laughs) who who of anyone do you give a fuck about by now? Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't a rhetorical question. Let's play, let's play. Who do you give a fuck about? No, I'd like this is this is the podcast. I'm, you know, gonna gotta get invested into into something if we if we end up uh, watching the rest of it. Um, I'd I don't know. I suppose Winona is pretty cool, actually. Um, Which one's Winona? <laughs> uh, the uh, the dog-eared milf. Oh, and why is she cool, Lawrence? Um. Because she's a MILF, I guess. (laughs) 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 Nothing cooler than a MILF. Uh, I'm sorry. Just just showing showing my ass on on the podcast. This is this is is all that I am. I I I offer you. (laughs) Oh gosh. Episode 3. It seems Rue can decide her own worth. What are these? Sukasa asks, gesturing at a box full of shovels. They're shovels. <laughs> Did he not know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he said. It's like, what? Like, the world's <laughs> top politician has no fucking idea Soft what a shovel hands. is. Soft hand, motherfucker. Yeah. 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 He put all of it, he put all of his points in diplomacy and none of them in uh in engineering or whatever in good, science. Uh, whipping up whipping up uh, eggs yeah, uh, and signing executive orders. That's it. <laughs> yeah, when she says there are shovels, he knows what that means. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Bells. Shovels. I've read about these. <laughs> Ringo used her centuries ahead of humanity intellect to make a bunch of shovels. She waits for Sukasa's approval since she clearly is unable to function off of her own initiative. While she yawns from overexerting herself in making shovels, the camera decides to crawl. Hold right up, up hold up. When was the last time you made a shovel? Mm. <laughs> Um, I've I've never made a shovel. I'm admitting I admit freely, uh, but I, I also don't have like a, a centuries ahead of humanity intellect. I imagine that makes making shovels a bit easier. How does how do you make a shovel? Um, uh, it blacks blacksmith a, a shovel. It's black um, it's blacksmithing, right? Would it be in this yeah. in this time? So she's she's obviously got like. A sophisticated operation going on. She's blacksmithing. She's she's, 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 she's straight up made aluminium. Yeah. <laughs> out of uh, yeah yeah. And what what go, what else? Bauxite. Like, Metal. I don't know, dog. Like <laughs> coke there, cans. There's there's a whole refining process. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's got it down pat apparently, and she's using it uh, to make shovels and uh, some some genius shit. Mm. Which I, I suppose is still like, uh, a, by a far margin, more practical and applicable than anything that Elon Musk has come up with. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. Oh, yeah. We're back, we baby. Back. 
As Tsukasa walks back to the village, he observes how everyone is getting a little fatigued with this new life. It starts to snow. Tsukasa's gigantic brain starts whirring as he watches some villagers washing their clothes in tubs outside. Mm. <laughs> he, he, he puts like his hand to his chin. He's like, hmm, something something is going on in my head. And they, they, they cut away from that, leaving it at that. And just knowing yeah. what it is he comes up with is just... Uh, wheels are turning in his genius (laughs) brain it's one one of the simple pleasures uh, of this anime the the intrigue uh, (laughs) what what drives Tsukasa (laughs) (laughs) what what is his raison d'etre we're left to wonder just what Tsukasa is thinking as we return to Jakui he is about to set his plan in motion, buy out all the stock, and sell at a loss until elm trading can't compete. However, it seems he can't get a hold of a single seller. As he stumbles his way to the market, he finds that Masato has organized all of the merchants in a union of sorts, one that benefits him mostly. And these are the the people who were like standing menacingly outside Masato's window the other night. <laughs> yeah, he looked outside, and they were all standing there looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a um, like just a, a flock of lost um, nocturnal animals or whatever, <laughs> just a, waiting to waiting to be organized into a, a unit willing to take down this monstrous crony capitalist whose one crime is doing capitalism wrong and uh, he's about to be taught a lesson <laughs> i i'm not sure he's even doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably get a pound back from from trump or something mm. or at least he's doing something that is possible within the system <laughs> that's the thing though the, the, thing about, yeah. the thing about capitalism is you're only doing it wrong if you're losing and he's losing Exactly. <laughs> That's true, I guess. He is kind of doing it wrong then. Loser. Jacqueline, <laughs> loser. We don't do business with Jacqueline anymore. <laughs> no. Jacqueline's been banned off Twitter. <laughs> Only Masato. It's a demon. He's a demon, folks. As. Jacoe grovels for forgiveness from the merchants. Masato decides to impart his one nugget of wisdom on him about business and trust and stuff. But that's not all he shares. For you see, an economy only works when there is fair competition. Masato decides not to crush Neutzeland, opting instead to open negotiations. When I was watching this before this scene, I was thinking, it kind of seems like Masato is just replacing one monopoly with another, right? And then he says this, and makes it seem like he's open to there being competition, but he's actually kind of not really, is he? He doesn't really want Neutschland to keep doing stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it becomes apparent in in the next scene he doesn't really care. He, he's like, uh, sort of uh, met yeah, his yeah. purpose. He's like, uh, 
he's sort of like um, fulfills w- w- what he came to fulfill. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that scene, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with the free market restored and the cronies put to rights, Masato and Rue can finally have a chill moment together at the docks, where he's doing like an, this operant conditioning thing like flipping a coin (laughs) this is like her payment for all of the the free labor that she gave him and (laughs) she can only have the one coin if she can figure out which hand he's got it in which is obviously (laughs) too stupid to do (laughs) so she'll never get paid Uh, literally head empty Uh. (laughs) I mean, she has a cat and stuff, but... (laughs) When Elk asks him why he didn't crush Neutzeland, Masato responds that he simply enjoys chaos. He then proceeds to call himself Mao. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? I miss that. Can't get rid of that guy. (laughs) Fucking Mao-sama. Not the best company. (laughs) (laughs) Two, so two mouths, two mouths in a row. In, in his eyes, uh, Masato's eyes, um, not crushing Neutschland and allowing them to operate. Pure I guess. <laughs> what what is it he's even allowing him to do? I don't quite get it. He's like allowing him to continue working, but probably he won't be able to get any trade deals or whatever. Um, and that's Masato calls that chaos. And that's what he enjoys. I, I didn't quite understand that. What's chaotic about it? Yeah, no, I, I was, I was editorializing a, a little bit, I suppose. Uh, I think he, he says something like, um, "Damn, I actually for, forgot what he says exactly." But uh, I, the gist of it is that he's keeping uh, Neutzeland around, but uh, he's gonna, um, he's made it so. Uh, the um, the people that they're buying from are getting a better deal or, or whatever. Um, mm. Essentially, since he's uh, fulfilled his purpose there and he's sort of like shown everyone who who the big guy in the, the marketplace is, who, who's, <laughs> who's, 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 the better, who's the better deal maker, put Jacui on his knees, and then he's like, uh, okay, well, uh, all done, sorted. And uh, it's 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 all about it's it's about ego for him. It's about uh, self interest. Mm, that's and, it. And yeah. Once his interest is fulfilled, yeah, as he demonstrates, it, he doesn't even care about the money. Really, he's just like a, as 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 we'll get to in a second. Mm. It's, uh, it's about the art of the deal for him. <laughs> the art of the deal, or the the art of we the love exploitation. Deals, folks. they are rudely interrupted by some orc slavers who reclaim rue as their merchandise (laughs) uh i i sort of read no no. (laughs) (laughs) they're just they're just humans aren't they yeah um they're just guys in like weird outfits good yeah i i felt I feel like they had pointy ears and like didn't they have like tusks? Don't I don't think that. so. I thought they were yeah, just chums. I, I thought they were just men. Yeah. <laughs> They're just any men. <laughs> okay, damn, I just uh seeing orcs where there aren't any. 
Sing what you want to say. Masato wonders aloud whether he should save his companion that is being dragged away to a life of slavery. Doesn't he like ask hmm. her? Do you do do you want me to buy you rue <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> yes, she's literally being uh, dragged away to a cage. This uh, this kid that you've uh, supposedly uh, taken under your wing to teach the ways of uh, the the art of the deal, and he's just standing there being like, "Hmm, I wonder whether I can get a deal." out of this what, what do you think that's <laughs> disgusting yeah this poor kid he's a he's a piece of shit wow yeah he really is <clears throat> at this rue frees herself and vows that she will not only free her mother and father from slavery by buying them out she will also be a worthwhile investment if Masato decides to buy her right here and now. He does so at 100 times market value. <laughs> Both financially and symbolically legitimizing this trade. Uh, cool. That, that was just like, why, why 100 times market value? <laughs> I'm sure they would have taken like market value or like twice market value. Why a hundred <laughs> times? It doesn't make any sense. But like, doesn't doesn't she? Does I, I can't remember whether she promises to pay him back. So after she's freed her parents, does she say she'll pay him back, or mm. does she say she'll pay him every penny she ever earns? I can't remember. One of those. Uh, yeah, I can't remember yeah, which either. It was yeah, it was one of those as well. She said something <laughs> to that effect. Either way, she wants to give him all of her money for some reason. The, the money that she seems to be her sole like driving factor, like she just fucking loves, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't get this scene. I don't get this show. It, it's it's bizarre. Um, yeah, I'd, I, I'm I'm gonna say it in, in, in the next line. It's like they they play this scene as like being sweet, like uh, yeah. being like uh, Masato seeing the inherent value in in Rue, this uh, unperceivable like quality that uh, these uh, orc or non-orc slavers are <laughs> unable to see <laughs> and it's yeah. like uh, a, y'all don't realize that that this cat girl slave is worth 100 times more than uh, market value and therefore i will um uh, not only give you that sum of money uh, and uh, legitimize your trade uh, but also this is supposed to be some sort of some form of like um humiliation to them that's uh, that, that only really works in Masato's mind because these, these orcs are laughing to the bank. Like, you know what? I hadn't even, I hadn't even. That that's clearly the correct reading of what the like the, the show's intended reading of the scene. I had, I hadn't, I hadn't even crossed my mind that it, he was signaling that like his view of her value. My my mind clearly can't go to the warped places that the show wants it to go. It's it's such a uh, just a a tonally and and morally like a weird uh, take. 
Yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild. In the meantime, these these orcs are like, uh, well, sweet. Looks looks like we got us a, a hundred slaves worth of uh, worth of money here. And, yeah, they can they can and, go and uh, like redo their slave ship, do their slave ship up, set sail <laughs> on another voyage to get some more slaves. Sharpen their their orc tusks and uh, point to fly their <laughs> orc ears. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And then at, at no point in like in this scene or for the rest of the episode, from what I remember, does Masato say to her, uh, you're now free or anything like that. Like, I've bought no. you, but you're not a slave anymore. You're you're free. You're not a piece of property. You're a person. <laughs> good fucking point. Yeah, good there's fucking zero point. comment on, on, the, on, on slavery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a convenient setting and backstory for this character, isn't it? It's not like... They, they don't seem to really have any feelings about slavery, the writers, except it bad <laughs> in some capacity, but they're not sure what. Well, is it <laughs> they're, bad? They're, they're saying, well, like, it's, they're not even saying it's bad. They're, like, they're shrugging their shoulders, mm, being that's like, true, yeah. well, I, uh, when, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, I'll have, ha- well, have 100 golds. <laughs> they're saying at least this slave deserves to not be a slave. But is she not a slave? Uh, but She's just been bought. She's probably still a slave, isn't she? Yeah. But then, you know, he could have, if for a hundred times market value, couldn't he have bought every slave and on that ship and freed them? That's very true. Assuming they have others. Oh, he was looking for a return on investment, though, and this is this yeah, is what, what he sees as shit. a return on investment. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, he's uh, a he, he sucks sucks a whole lot. Fuck. <laughs> It's played as being a sweet moment, but it feels extremely weird, as we just discussed. <laughs> uh, the lesson that Elk takes from all this is that spending money rules. He yep, says, he it. says, the, just the, he observes this whole like scene and he's like, uh, he says something like, I, I never knew that spending money could bring such happiness. <laughs> 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 something like that and Masato just looks at him like yeah bro yeah. you simpleton <laughs> <laughs> you childs you rude <laughs> elsewhere Sukasa stands by a lake with a shovel no doubt imagining he's at a photo op or something he gets a call from Shinobu once again perched somewhere high up as she proceeds to give him the rundown of this world's affairs. Magic exists, and it's about as half-baked a concept as you'd expect from this level of isekai. There's not much info to be found on the Seven Heroes story. Their only clue is a religion called the Seven Lights Faith. But since the Freya Guard Empire kind of abolished religion, uh, there is nothing to be found on them either. Tsukasa's grip tightens around his shovel at the thought of religious oppression. <laughs> I know what you mean about like the, the half-baked concept, like the, the three, <laughs> including this one, the three isekais that we've watched so far, the magic was just like such an afterthought that they felt like they had to have it in there, but it's got no yeah. like internal logic and no real like ideas behind it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just um, magic. 
Exactly. It's it's one of those uh, just isekai tropes. If you got an isekai world, you got to have magic or whatever. And it's become such a, uh, a formalized inclusion in each of these shows that uh, it's kind of uh, an afterthought, I suppose. Yeah. Shinobu, she's she's even like, uh, oh yeah, there's water, earth, fire, air, magic, and they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they all basically just do what you'd expect, you know. <laughs> Dirt dolls. <Thanks. laughs> yeah, well, well, uh, I'm afraid I had dirt dolls at least. Like, uh, can you mm, claim that? Yeah. Still, this is their best shot at a way back home, so they ought to scour the continent for any further information. Next main quest line: get a travel pass from Marquis Findolf to leave the region they landed in. It seems like the. Mm main beef of these prodigies is that they're sort of ancaps in a totalitarian world right is that yeah yeah no that, that's that's how i'm reading it so far it's like it's a ancap uh fantasy set in uh like a feudal totalitarian like a so their, pro- their, their problem is just that there, there are rules that apply to them <laughs> the main conceit of the show Tsukasa has not been idle, despite appearances. He, or rather Aoi and Bear Rabbits, have made a fully functional bathhouse with all modern conveniences. They sure have. (laughs) The only thing they were not able to construct was appropriate swimwear for the bathers who choose instead to wear bikinis made of Dolmade's wrappers. <laughs> it's, it's all flooding back to me just how cursed this fucking scene is. Yeah. They just, they really did just boob boobily into the boob tub. Boob tub. broth. Their boobs are bigger than their fucking heads. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, they're pro- prodigious high schoolers with uh, prodigious proportions. Uh, they are well endowed. <laughs> buoyant. No need for no need for The fact that they're just literally wearing like slices of iceberg lettuce to cup their boobs. Like, and yeah, like. Lettuce on a string to cover their <laughs> nipples. <laughs> oh, it is just ridiculous. I wonder just, which, just, which um... child genius invented these uh, these uh, sporty. <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Maybe the doctor. <laughs> yeah, she seems like the the one most likely to be. Um... Uh, best able to sew and stuff, right? <laughs> you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Because Casa could still be getting baby birded. Yeah, this is the thing. Because uh, he like uh, he's getting like heavily flirted <laughs> by uh, uh, mommy girlfriend <laughs> number one. Liberal. Liberal. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh my god. 
Jesse's just <laughs> looking for a mummy and not a girlfriend, which is mm, at least honest. <laughs> Why can't he have both? Just, I just, just want uh, a a bang maid that also feeds me by uh, pre-chewing my food. And spitting <laughs> it bang maid. <laughs> Cooks, cleans, eats the food for you, <laughs> and spits what it into your you mouth. <laughs> what more could you want? Lirul massages Sukasa's labor-worn hands with some of her special horse oil. <laughs> what is horse oil? How is it extracted? <laughs> They can't just say horse oil and not explain what it is. <laughs> this is probably my favorite part in the entire yeah, me too. Free, free episodes. <laughs> <laughs> she literally, that's all she says is it's horse oil. <laughs> no context, horse oil. Have some of this horse oil, please. <laughs> Yeah, that It'll was the best. It'll your wounds. <laughs> <laughs> your precious hands. They're damaged. Use this horse oil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're having a, uh, a mixed bathing session uh, whilst have, uh, having a horse oil massage. It's, um, yeah, that's uh, peak, peak anime. It's real mm. special. Suddenly, Prince Akatsuki storms in to interrupt the bavers and introduce the next side quest. Oh, you guys, horse oil is actually a thing. <laughs> <Don't Wait. stop. laughs> Did you Google that? <laughs> Google that shit. Horse oil. Uh, yeah, so it's it's Korean, I think. It's a it's a Korean oh, uh, uh, moisturizing product. Cream with advanced horse oil, nourishing and energizing, uh, loose and dull skin. It's, uh, is it Holy actually shit. derived from horses? I mean, I guess it probably is derived from horses. Nah. What? Well, no. Horse fat. Well, it says horse fat mm, here. Horse, I'm reading horse, by it. Oh, fuck me. Oh, there's all sorts of shit in here. Well, shit. Hydrating horse oil mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. that's what I mean sure when I say wear a mask in my bio. Ooh, this one's got <laughs> some uh, snail secretion in it to boot. Love a bit of snail secretion. Uh-huh. Nice. Anyway, yeah, so what happens after she rubs horse cum on him? <laughs> Famously hydrating. Uh, pack, packed of protein. Um... Some hunters have been attacked by a monster called the Chief of the Forests. <laughs> the Chief of the Forest. The super teens spring into action as Ringo tracks the monster down on her infrared goggles. Just then, Masato and Elk pull into the village to find everyone in disarray. The monster is kind of like a bear meets a Godzilla. Aoi challenges the monster while the rest of the teens search out Mayor Olga, the village headman who was attacked by the chief of the forest. 
when they find him, he appears to have recently stopped breathing. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> Kane has her most doctorly stockings on. <laughs> she manages to retrieve Mayor Olga from the icy jaws of death via manual heart massage. As one life is saved, another is extinguished. Owie remorselessly decapitates the rare creature in a fountain of blood. I really thought this was going to be like a thorn in the lion's paw type story where they realized like the chief of the forest was just scared or hurt or something. But no, they just straight up murder it. Yeah, I don't know whether this is yeah, gets setting us up for them to actually. When are they actually going to. Are they. Uh, it, is the title of the show that you know the, the, the uh, was it fucking annoying teens have it easy in in booby land is is that actually <laughs> the whole is it honest is it an honest title are they going to experience zero jeopardy yeah, throughout this entire 12 episode slog i think that's entirely likely you know <laughs> i think they'll be able to like deal with anything that happens yeah. For their unique, unique skill set. Yeah. <laughs> they have uh, diversified their, their assets uh, in such a way that they could uh, uh, avoid uh, a bankruptcy in, a, in, a, in another world. I don't think I've ever... I've never seen a cartoon in which... Or a sort of superhero story in which the, 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 there is zero jeopardy for the protagonists. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that makes uh, that's what makes uh, Isekai such an, uh, an, an interesting thing. Or like, uh, um, you could uh, bring slice of slice of life anime into this as well. You know, there's like just a whole subsection of uh, isekai stories uh, where the main hero is like ridiculously overpowered and uh, faces like hardly any challenge at all ever. And this is this is popular. People really tend to enjoy those stories. It's a combination of like. The uh, fantasy of being whisked away to another world, away from your worries and responsibilities, and also being uh, so so powerful that you are the un unstoppable in whatever world that you uh, arrive in, and uh, kind of uh, conquer it, uh, bending it to your own will. That's uh, not uncommon. Mm, yeah, I, I always thought power fa power fantasies were like had to have an element of the power of overcoming adversity but maybe there's just pure power fantasy <laughs> yeah no that's, that's that's what we've got here that's Unopposed, um unbridled power I'm, I'm glad that they've found a, a moment for uh the, the doctor prodigy to uh <laughs> yeah. to do something in like yeah. after <laughs> two episodes of being absent aside from the occasional shot where we see nothing but her stockings <laughs> what she does is pretty impressive as well right she like opens the guy's chest up and restarts his heart with her hand he'd been, he'd been uh, dead for i think she said three minutes when she started he'd stopped breathing yeah, yeah. so in complete uh, cardiac arrest from and uh and then she stitches it back up and he's like awake, pretty much. No, he's not quite awake, yeah. but is it? Yeah, he's like, I don't know. He seems okay. She says he'll wake up in a few days or whatever. Yeah, God, I wish I could just wake up in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> 
She injects liquid oxygen into his lungs. <laughs> like, how to it's, fuck... Where'd well, she get that where, from? <laughs> where, where'd she get liquid oxygen? They manufacturing Secondly, it you... in their, like... <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, probably Ringo's uh, Tesla factory or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, this... This this show is just so uh so relentlessly horny. Just every time the <laughs> the doctor character is referred to, I, I think like Sukasa sees like the mayor underground like being dead, and he's like, "Don't worry, the doctor is on it." And like the the next shot is like just a shot of her stockings, like before we actually like <laughs> see her and what she's doing. It's uh it's it's, it's next level, real next level shit. They make their way back. Little do they know, a regiment of soldiers have descended on the village, led by one imperious-looking Marquis Findolf. They put the non-combatant super-teens in shackles and charge them with treason. He also takes one glance at Lirul, and you can tell exactly what is going through his mind. It is gross. (laughs) <laughs> he sentences them to be burned alive on behalf of the lord of this kingdom see i didn't quite understand the tre- the treason charge i think he's saying that they're not allowed to participate in commerce as commoners oh right yeah yeah that is what um, he says he says like your filthy hands shouldn't touch gold coins yeah, or whatever yeah 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 um, but also, like I like again, I I think the the baddie here is such a great piece of shit that like uh, I kind of <laughs> like, like, I'd much rather see a series following the bad guys around in the show than the than the supposed good guys. Like at least these guys are just like fucking unabashed <laughs> pieces of shit. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask that actually. I was gonna ask what your what your take was on on this guy. I, th- I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, luckily for you, there there is also a, a subset of isekais where uh, a person dies and is reincarnated as the villain in a, in another world, and that's a pretty popular subgenre as well. So, a, the, my 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 life as a villainess—that's what you told me about, right? But yeah, but she's she's not a villainess though. She's real sweet. Yeah, <laughs> she's, yeah. she's she's supposed to be the villainess, but she yeah, I try I try yes. working that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice. It's a nice show. I I think the, the the thing about this guy is he's he's all asshole and that's that's all there is to him. We're not gonna get much development. I'm predicting from him in the next couple of episodes, uh, except for his uh a- extremely uh rapey attitudes. I'm yeah. willing to bet. I'm willing to bet he's going to have like Leroy in a, a-, a dungeon, uh, uh, barely clothed, hanging from uh, chains or some yeah. shit. Shackles around her arms, like <laughs> her head. <laughs> he he just wants to be baby birded. <laughs> It is my turn to be baby burdened, not these commoners. I'm a baby. <laughs> this, is, this is what I mean when I when I tweet I'm baby. <laughs> I'm the baby bird. The rest of the teens arrive in time to see the shack 
where the others were held, go up in flames. Of course, burning buildings are nothing to the likes of Prince Akatsuki, who has always been capable of bending the elements to his will both in this world and the previous one. With a snap of his fingers, he transports all those trapped in the building to safety. It's just literal magic. It's, it's little magic. He just and, tele- uh, he teleports them. <laughs> his, his magic is making the stakes disappear. Yeah. That's, that's his one weird trick. He makes the stakes <laughs> yeah. disappear. That's, that's it. <laughs> Don't invite Prince Akatsuki to your barbecues. <laughs> <laughs> Masato approaches Tsukasa to explain what happens. It is then that he comes to the grave realization that Lirul is missing. And that's episode three. Is it a, a post-credits scene uh, where you see her in, in the cart being driven away by uh, the villain dude? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. yeah. She's, like, she's like bound up in the cart, the back of the wagon or whatever. Oh, it's it's already started. <laughs> As you can imagine, it is a bumpy road. Yeah. <laughs> they pay good money for the boob physics. They're going to show it off. Oh, God. Uh, what, what a job that must be. <laughs> All right. That, that was episode three, y'all. Um, it was. That, that was. That was a lot. That was a lot to take in. <laughs> It was a lot, yet also absolutely nothing. <laughs> Never has so little been said. Han- handfuls and handfuls of popcorn uh, covered in <laughs> horse oil uh, <laughs> that you shove, shove in your face. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, no, let, let's move on to so, some closing thoughts. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we thought about these... Uh, Free episodes, uh, some some okay. hopes, expectations for the future, etc., uh, etc. Et um, uh, well, uh, since you're our guest, Joss, I'm gonna let you let you go first, if you like. Uh, I mean, it's bad, and like I think one thing I've realized about like animes that I know I'm gonna like, like you can tell from the like the theme tune whether it's like. There's something about like the music used in the theme tune. I think the what, what what like signifiers or tropes they use in that theme tune as to whether like this is to appeal to your sensibility or not. And this does not appeal to sure. any of my sensibilities in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, like I remember like hearing the opening bars of like the the uh, theme tune to Kaiji and thinking like fuck yeah, this sounds like like some Ramon shit and then um thinking like oh okay this is Hell yeah. this is gonna be something like slightly offbeat that appeals to me. But this this like from the from the very beginning is is it's dull, it's dumb and it's mostly just wrong. <laughs> uh, how 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 does that sum up my feelings about this show? <laughs> 
yeah no i i, I feel you on that one it's uh the, the theme song definitely uh feels like they they uh mined it from the an anime theme tune vault <laughs> yeah like i feel like i've heard <laughs> it before <laughs> think about the opening to mob psycho and like yeah. what that says about the show and then yeah yes and then yes. you have just like just yeah anime dirge <laughs> yeah it's uh it's definitely like uh, it's uh, it feels uh, uh, generic and like in in terms of the art it's it also uh, seems a, a little bit generic a, c- a couple more questions for you D- do you think you're going to stick with the show uh you're not as as a big of a weeb as as we are not as a not as anime pilled perhaps uh do you think you'd be watching the rest though it's tough to say i mean i like i know it's verboten but i did go ahead and watch episode four um (laughs) out of some kind of grim curiosity but (laughs) i just i it depends how fucking bored I get. I think is is the uh, is the is the answer <laughs> to that one. Um, uh, okay. I'm I'm currently hooked on other TV, but equally also like so. Confession: I'm currently hooked on watching every single episode of Ultimate Fighter from the beginning. <laughs> Um, and so it's not like I'm coming from some like, famously erudite some land of like. <laughs> highfalutin content that like, this show is below me because <laughs> there's nothing below <laughs> Ultimate Fighter really <laughs> um, but yeah the, the show does nothing for me I think so maybe no, no. I'll, I'll listen to like the next episode like of the you guys talking about it and if it sounds like something changes drastically then uh, <laughs> that or if i say for instance if i lose my job then maybe i'll sit at home and watch this <laughs> anime um hikikomori mode yeah, let's go yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome oh, yeah, uh, uh, last question for you i'm sorry zero zero desire to, to continue on this yes <laughs> yeah no, and and to be fair, I, I suppose there are like many, many more uh, better animes that, that you could yeah. watch instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, last question for you here: uh, I- Imagine if you were to continue watching the show, uh, what would you uh, like to see from the, the coming episodes? What would you like? What would be on your wish I hope list? They get monumentally fucked the fuck up. I hope, <laughs> like, I want to see them, like. strung up i want to see them face serious (laughs) consequences for their actions (laughs) um i want to see i want to see the bad guys win in a show (laughs) where it's all bad guys i guess (laughs) um yeah i want to see i want to see high school prodigies have it really fucking tough in another world um yeah yeah. That would be my uh, power fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to fucking stick it to these smug pricks. Watch, watching some teen libs get on. 
Yeah, <laughs> same, same. Uh, uh, but I, I think that's the the least likely outcome from from this series, uh, sadly. Oh, and and Milky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be plenty of those. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Milky's and horse oil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, sweet. You, you want you want to go next, Ricky? Sure. Um, it it kind of seems to me that like a at the core of the show is a bunch of teens who are all really good at stuff coming to a world where everyone's really bad at stuff, uh, <laughs> and treating it almost like a kind of home makeover show. Like they're bringing their skills in air quotes, scare quotes, and expertise in scare quotes to. Uh, <laughs> do the world up and to like uh <laughs> impose their values on it i guess in a way um oh, but God. it's it, it, but i feel like the the agency of the characters that already exist in the world is like almost non-existence apart, apart from in the villains i guess like none of them seem to have strong thoughts or feelings about anything um and i, I think that's kind of interesting uh I definitely want to see where it goes because of that. Um, obviously, I don't think it's like good, <laughs> but it's definitely entertaining. Um, and I got a lot of laughs out of it. Probably like not, not in the places where they intend, or maybe the places <laughs> no, yeah. they intend. I don't know. Yeah. Same, hard to say uh, it's kind of an enigma like I, I don't really get where it's going or what it's about it is kind of like what Joss was saying earlier it's kind of my first time watching a show where like the characters are just OP and like don't face any hardships but obviously we've only watched three episodes so it, that may change yeah um, yeah I'm, I'm very interested to see where it goes I guess um <laughs> It was a surprise. Episode two was a surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really was not expecting it to, to go there at all. The kind of like surface le- level, shallow economics 101. Uh, <laughs> the the views of the writer or like uh, the creator or whatever uh, yeah. expressed in the weirdest possible way. <laughs> it was a dull place to go for episode two of your... Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I also thought it was an interesting approach that uh, that, that episode uh, uh, two took. Uh, I mean, it's 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 boring and it's it's bad, but it's uh, not the kind of stuff you see every day. So I was like, yeah, he's, exactly. He's, he's doing what? He's bamboozling them with uh, with deals talk. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's kind of funny. That's kind of cool. Yeah, for episode two as well. Yeah, like straight in with that stuff. Making it clear what the ideological impetus of the char- at least one of the characters is. If if he's even got an ideological impetus, he might not. He might just like scamming people and screwing people over. Mm. But we don't know at this point. Yeah, I guess those those are my feelings about it at the moment. <laughs> yes. 
I uh, I like your analogy about it being sort of like a a home makeover show. That's a really funny perspective because uh, now I'm picturing um, these uh, 17s as like uh, the, the Fab Five doing like uh, <laughs> neo lib I for the, the isekai. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that's what it felt like oh that's what it's felt like so far <laughs> bringing their free market economics and their modern medicine and their mayonnaise <laughs> they mayonnaise. <laughs> might as well just just grab the mayonnaise guy from uh career right <laughs> uh, the mayonnaise guy that's um i've only seen three episodes of queer eye I haven't seen any of this. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, what happens with the I mayonnaise guy? I feel like there's a mayonnaise guy. I've had mayonnaise guy. Well, I, I, there's like one guy whose sole role is like just teaching teaching this slob how to make avocado, like guacamole or whatever. I don't like how to mash an avocado on toast. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to save that for another podcast. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, any any hopes for for the future? Anything you're looking forward to to seeing in the next episodes? Maybe I can imagine them going the route of like focusing on each of the seven for a whole episode at some point. Like Masato was episode two, right? Mm. Episode three didn't really focus necessarily on one character, but it was like establishing the f- the future side quests after the weird like economics detour. Um, yeah. It'd be cool to see like an episode for each of the characters that like shows who they are a little bit more because we don't really know much about any of them or like what they think about stuff. Uh, They just kind of at the moment are showing up and doing a thing Mm. that is consistent with their skill, I guess. (laughs) Uh, If you can, if you can call top journalist uh, a useful (laughs) skill in a feudal era (laughs) fantasy world. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see them like develop their teens a little bit more. That's that's kind of it, I guess. I I don't really oh, yeah. know where they're gonna take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I I have I have some ideas. Uh, I, I I don't think this is going to throw us for very many loops. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a, a straight shot to the end with like uh, the, the teens uh, being uh, way too much for these uh, these dumb isekai inhabitants to handle, and everyone just uh, sort of scratching their head, being like, "What's mayonnaise? <laughs> is, that, is that like horse oil for your potatoes?" <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought I also thought the show is like an unquestionably dumb. Like uh, we sort of touched on this, but uh, it's uh, basically like this 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 lowest common denominator anime. It's built out of all of these component parts that are like you know uh, one part fan service, one part stock characters, one parts OP main characters, and um, it's it's a formula and it, it sells. You know they they got their hands on this um, this uh, uh, light novel property. They uh, flip it and turn it into a, a series, and and that's that's the business, you know. That's uh, that's 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 how anime studios do do the deal. 
and uh but there there's still a craft in that there's still like uh, a a studio of overworked uh, uh, artists and and executives like uh um, making making the boobs bounce, making the uh, making the component parts of this anime into uh, something that uh, draws people in, and um, yeah, I'm I'm very curious about uh, uh, understanding that better and like uh, uh, dissecting that because this is uh, sort of like in isekai isekai staple. This is why isekai is. is uh, prevalent as it is because um it, it seems the, the the same kind of stories are like recreated over and over and um mm-hmm. and uh, they, they're they're able to make money off of it somehow um <laughs> i have a prediction for this show i think I, I think i see where it's going i think that yeah by the end of the series when they're waved off back to earth they will leave this uh once naive uh, realm with all the bounties that we enjoy here in our reality so there'll be nuclear weapons the gig economy and uh, pornography <laughs> so you don't literally have to go and steal the milkies from the village <laughs> such a severe milky shortage that we have to go on <laughs> all they needed was only fans it's what happens when you don't have milkies at home I'd, I'd love to see that happen <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see that happen actually that'd be hilarious <laughs> um I think we're, we're we're fortunate to be covering this show, um, because um, from what we've seen so far, it's like uh, rare in the fact that it's an anime that seems to wear its politics on its sleeve. Yeah, right. And the, the politics are, are are shits and trash, <laughs> and uh, we're 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 doing a show about how um, shows set in another world comment on on our own, and I, I think exactly. this is like just a, a great candidate for that, you know, um, mm-hmm. sort of by virtue of of having a, a politician and a, a billionaire as its protagonist the the show is forced in some way or another to discuss politics and wealth inequality and a, a economy in 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 whatever way that decides to come up you know it, it it's if it's going to be like a a bizarre like uh, a side quest where a bunch of merchants get bamboozled that's a that's that's still a comment on how uh, this this offer and this anime believes the economics should work and uh, it is useful for. W- will it also have something to say about medicine, engineering, swordsmanship, stage magic, and journalism? I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> that's gonna be a big fat no. I feel like we've got two protagonists in Sukasa and um, Masato, and. Um, they're they're the ones who like uh, uh, have all of the agency and um, the 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 rest of the folks around them are basically their their battle harem, um, <laughs> <laughs> more or less. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Yeah.
So the last thing that I, that I find so interesting about um, this this series, just despite like uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's many flaws, is uh, the, the way that it sort of treats the isekai story, uh, because we we frame isekais as like these escapist stories, just escapist fantasies, right? Um, mm. Mao runs away from his responsibilities in 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 Enta Isla, and like um, Katarina is uh, reborn from a, uh, a homely high school girl to a, um, a rich and haughty villainess in a video game. There's escapism at the heart of these stories. Uh, these protagonists find themselves in another world. And then they do everything that they can to make it like the previous one, you know? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do everything. They? Yeah, <laughs> they do everything they can to like uh, to change that world into the one where they can be praised as the prodigies that they are. Right, and like in like so far when we're talking about the definitions of the genre, a part of it that always comes up is the idea of the the protagonist having to assimilate to an. A new, not not just a new way of life, but the rules and uh, like social conventions of the world yeah. that they're in. But these guys aren't doing any of that, right? They're like, yeah. we know best. You guys are all fools. Uh, we'll do everything we can to educate you. Yeah, no, exactly. Instead of them uh, conforming to their new world, they are conforming this new world around them. And that's uh, it's an inversion of what we um, have come to understand isekai so far. And I think it can also make for an interesting story with like uh, 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 something salient to say about about uh, colonialism, about neoliberalism, about um, you know, the, the the politics and um, uh, economics that these uh, prodigies uh, find beneficial because that, that is the world that they come from, where they're praised as the very best. I wonder if you're putting a little bit too much faith in this show. <laughs> no, I'm putting faith in my reading of the show. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm it. Gonna, I'm putting, I'm putting my, my, my fancy boy anime glasses on and I'm gonna like read this as if it were fucking Moby Dick, you know? <laughs> it may not give me Moby Dick. It may just give me a face full of horse oil, but like that's, that's where you get <laughs> That's where all the fun is at, you know? Yeah, I'm uh, uh, like Joss. I'm also hoping that uh, these these teens fall flat on their face and they realize that the error of their ways. Or like, you know, it would be awesome if if they did like like leave a uh, a world as ruined as as ours is behind. That would be kind of hilarious. Um, uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see just uh, how far they can push this uh, sort of end cap wish fulfillment angle, um, <laughs> but most importantly for me, I'm looking forward to when they invent guns and Sukasa yeah, starts capping people. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite part in uh, The Devil is a Part-Timer and there's just something oh, just yeah. hilarious Orba. about <laughs> yeah, just a, a fantasy just guy around waving a around a gun <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> calling the shots. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do wonder whether by uh, episode twelve will be sort of full like Gundams flying around in space above like this realm. Like, 
I'd be there for that. That would that would be that would be kind of funny. I think. Um, anything else y'all wanted to 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 throw in uh, regarding the show? No, I think I'm good. Well, um, I'm just gonna um, bust a couple plugs. You can follow uh, my writing on an anime, just a uh, um, uh, random uh, stray thoughts about uh, shows I've watched and um, some gotcha games I'm playing on uh, dldarscrolls.substack.com. That's uh, dldarscrolls.substack.com. You can follow us on Twitter at reincarnatedpods. Um, I, I post some screenshots up on there for every uh, new episodes that, that we put out. So you can, if you're not watching the show, you can uh, look at the funny screenshots that, uh, that I put in the, in the notes that, that we uh, share while we're doing the podcast. And um, it, it, should you have any uh, thoughts or feelings, uh, opinions uh, regarding uh, the effectiveness of the, the free markets, and how uh, <laughs> slavery is is fine as long as the slavers are good people. <laughs> then, uh, please save those opinions. Uh, keep them to yourself. Uh, any cool good opinions, though, uh, you can send to reincarnated.podcasters at gmail.com. Awesome. A- anything y'all wanted to plug? Mm, not me. Hmm. Anything at all? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I don't want to be associated with this in any way whatsoever. (laughs) You say that after uh, three hours worth of recording. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid that uh, you you have become a part of the fabric of this podcast now. Uh, <laughs> Happy to be here. You you have been reincarnated as a podcaster. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's close it out. Next time on Reincarnated as Podcasters, uh, we discuss episodes four to six of High School Prodigies Have It Easy, even in another world. We hope you enjoyed listening. See you in the next life. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>